Great. Is that what he stands for? Great. Yeah. Is that the new milkshake bringing all the boys to the yard yep. now? Yeah. Wow. You, got, you got to watch the video because it's, it's Why ridiculous. just fucking, I weep for the future of this planet. I know. It's the, wow. the lyrics. He, Jamie, I, I showed it to Jamie, and then afterwards she's like, I want to actually like see what the lyrics are for, for this whole thing. And it is so raunchy. And I was like, I was felt like I was turning red reading some of that, that stuff. I was that, like, oh, that oh goes God. back to like, that goes back to like what I said uh, a decade or so ago um, when I was starting to listen to Fall Out Boy because there's so much innuendo, but they don't swear mm-hmm. in any of their songs, so there's no parental yeah. advisory on the on the liner. But I was like, there's so much bad stuff in these songs. Like they are talking about all but saying penetration at some point. So it's like I'm waiting for some sort of ESRB equivalent of like. <laughs> you know, wiener jokes galore or something. I don't know. <laughs> Cause it's like, yeah, it's like wow. they can get away with so much with your, with your, your um poetic license or whatever you want to call it, you know, artistic license of like not saying I want to have sex with you, but damn girl, those jugs be fly. That's, that's a quote, you know, that's uh yep. I'm done. Let's start. Please. <laughs> oh, man, to uh, episode 47 of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavision's magazine. It is August the 16th, 2020. Uh, I am Graham, the production editor of Megavision's magazine. With me, we have Scotty, the managing editor of Megavision's, and Chris, the editor-in-chief of Megavision's magazine. How are you doing, fellas? Scotty, how's it going? Great. I got plenty of stuff to talk about, let me tell you. Why is all that stuff? Oh my, my God. Pickups, wow. Sir. We'll get into it. Oh, we'll get on to that in a second. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, that's short and sweet. Brilliant. Let's let's crack on with it. Scotty looks like he's eager to show some stuff. So, Chris, why don't you tell us what you've been up to this week? <laughs> <laughs> Graham's nice finally playing the oh. asshole card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so, man, this week is was crazy. I we ended up uh, doing a for for the Blood Sinking Geeks podcast. We were going to do a Candyman uh, a podcast, and we were going to do a Candyman Three Day of the Dead. But I hadn't watched the other Candyman movies in forever. I've never seen Candyman Two, never seen Candyman Three, but I did watch the original Candyman when I was a kid. I have, I absolutely loved it. Um, so anyway, to get ready for the podcast, I felt like I had to watch all three of those movies and i'll tell you what the 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 level of quality like that just dips as that trilogy <laughs> goes through it, it's bad um i think the first Candyman is one of the the best uh horror movies of the 90s and i'll talk about it a little bit more later um but uh it's it, that series did not finish well um jordan peele is going to be doing a a new version of it uh, i think next year so i'm looking forward to seeing that but uh more to come. So just 
you know, watching a bunch of shitty old movies, you know, it's what I do. We could probably do a poll cool. of how many people knew there was a Candyman 3. <laughs> I didn't know there was a 2. <laughs> You're not wow. missing out on much, but... Okay. I haven't actually seen any of the Candyman movies at all. I know Candyman exists, but... Oh, I the original not, one. I'm not in horror, I have to admit. But... The original one is, is well worth watching. It still holds hmm. up really, really well. Uh, I'm, okay, I'll stop talking about it, because um, I want to talk about it more later. Okay, so. cool. Anything else you've been up to? Any pickups or anything like that? Um, yeah, I did get. Uh, I finally got control um, in. So, uh, I, I I think it's still installing though, um, so I haven't been able to play it yet. <laughs> I just got it in yesterday. Put it in uh, my Xbox about two or three hours ago, and it started installing. It was taking forever to install, and then it had another thirty gig like update. Oh so wow! I was hoping I'd be able to get a little bit of time to play it before we jumped on the show, but just because it took so long, I, I haven't even got a chance to play it yet. Video okay, games. Fair enough. Remember when you could put yeah, a game in and hit start and you're playing it? Yeah, yeah, the advantage of games consoles, just plug it in and play rather than PC installing it. Oh, wait, that's all changed. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. it. <laughs> that's what I've Cool. So, Scotty, bring it on. What have yeah. you got? What have you got to show uh, us? First, I'll mention this because it's a, it's a short explanation. Um, Motion City Soundtrack released a... Uh, kind of a little LP of two unreleased versions of two of their songs, but all the proceeds go to helping their whole tour team, like the crew, the stagehands and all that. So had to grab that because they're one of my favorite bands. Um, but yesterday was retro hunting day. So Ooh. that's what I did. Ooh, I had a couple Ooh. things held aside, set aside for me at warp zone. Um, but so I head out there, shout outs to Warp Zone. They always sponsor us for the Dreamcast Marathon. Um, and then I'll, I'll show off what I grabbed for you, Graham. Um, you know, the classics such as Chester Cheetah, Too Cool to yes. Fool, and Sega Marine Fishing. <laughs> this yeah, is... excited. Oh, man. Only the cool can rule. Oh, but there's... Uh, I don't know what that is. That's some random warning on the back. This thing even has its, uh, its fun little epilepsy separate handout warning in the case i don't know but you got the manual and the cartridge so Um, complete in box complete in box same with the sega marine fishing um but uh yeah what i grabbed what was on hold for me um he got a good sega haul in and we're talking like someone traded in like musha and other stuff um but i actually grabbed Krusty's super fun house um which is a fun weird puzzle game i didn't even know from the genesis i yeah. ended up being on the snare so what? it's i mean you could equate it to like huh. basically lemmings right but with rats yeah. that infested his factory some of it is difficult hmm. um but i love that I basically remember... to sell this it says featuring the simpsons and bart is on it but i don't think he's even <laughs> in the game ever <laughs> i think he he's in the background at some point or something oh he's, maybe he's, he's like pulling levers like or something crap. Times, yeah, I think he pulls levers and in my head it might be in a couple of little cutscenes or sequences, but yeah, he's not the character you play as at all or anything. But I yeah, gotcha. I remember being really difficult. My friend had it on the Super Nintendo. Uh, so yeah, I didn't even realize it was on the Genesis. Unless yeah, I think it it's called something America, not different English. on the Genesis or something. I forget, but um, cool. what's hmm? it called there? Is it called Krusty Super uh, Fun House? This or is Krusty Super Fun House. I think it's called. It might be I'm like sure The Simpsons presents Krusty Super Fun House or something dumb i don't know but anyway other stuff i grabbed um 
I, I've all but given up trying to find complete versions of things on Sega CD because also you can get the the big jewel cases and Etsy does wonders for box art and crap. So I finally got Sewer Shark and Ooh. Crime Patrol. Have you guys heard of Crime Patrol? I've never I've heard, heard of it. I can't. I don't know if I played it or not. Both wonderfully horrible FMV games. So yes. I am very excited. There's, <laughs> if I remember correctly, in Crime Patrol, there's a scene that ends with you trying to bust these drug lords. And you find the drugs in the trunk of a car and the like lieutenant or sergeant, whoever is with you, decides the best way to end this scene is to shoot the drugs. So it's just it's bags of cocaine and he just oh. fires at them with an automatic gun and there's just like dust everywhere. It's horrible and great oh, no. at the same time. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then while I was walking around Warp Zone, I did find art alive which i honestly solely bought that might be fun for a stream because it's a very it's it was sega's answer to mario paint um it's so it's just can't imagine it didn't succeed with that name yeah but you can have like you i mean of course you can see sonic in the background and whatever but you can have like toe jam and earl in here pop in and they just animate crap like what were they thinking? Why? I don't know. Why make they're just as confused thing? as this girl with a banana staring at a monkey? Like, ha, you did it again. I don't know. That this is been, yeah, all that's really weird. On there, there should be Sonic. Sorry. There should be Tim yeah. and Earl. There should be Echo. Uh, Rystar. Like yeah. that's what you should have done. All that with that. I mean, if you threw all of those characters on the box and call yeah. it like Sonic's Art Party or something stupid like that, just put yeah. Sonic yeah. in the name. It's in the 90s. It's on the Genesis. That thing yeah. would have been a success, especially if you're already going to have many of those characters in the game already. What were they thinking? That is just <laughs> entirely stupid marketing. Sega, wow. Tom Kaliski, Al Nielsen, you guys are a blast right now. Okay. <laughs> Boom. Hold up again, because that oh, is wow. the most 90s artwork. Oh, yeah. I think of it's great. Anything. that's amazing i'll show you like, this real is... quick uh, i was very happy that it was complete because i do remember renting this thing forever ago um but it has animations and you know it's got all the hits in here uh two different birds and then sonic and then tocham walking <laughs> but <laughs> um yeah the do you want to try to describe the cover for our listeners graham yeah, yeah so wow yeah okay so any <laughs> any people born in like the 2000s or whatever what we're looking at right now is the most 90s thing I've ever seen. It's got it's like bright colors for like art alive and big different fonts for each word. It's got some different fonts. Um, the kids are wearing bright colored t shirts, um, like a blue, a pink, a green one. And like one of them's like holding a cartoon parrot in his hand. The girl's holding a banana with a monkey next to her. And it's like a big TV with a kid on the floor playing the game. Um, yeah, the, the game like, is on the cover really- of the game. <laughs> and the kid is kind of at an angle where there's no way he can actually play a game that way uh he's yeah. like right next to the tv looking diet like horizontally at it um and yeah meanwhile, his cut, cat you know like the, the classic visual... cat like what are you doing kid yeah it's that's just oh wow that is the 90s in a package there right yeah, it's pretty <laughs> amazing great. It's I miss it. Amazing. I miss it so much <laughs> um and i mean to to pull it all together there's a skateboarder on the back Oh, of course. There has to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was pretty wow. excited. That that alone, that game was just eight bucks. I'm like, whatever. I know I'm going to have some fun with this. I mean, if anything, it was worth this small segment. Um, and oh, uh, let's see here. Oh, it lagged out for a second. You guys still there? Yeah, you're still there. Um, you're good. You're good. So in the big in the big stash of like 
Sega CD and Genesis stuff, this dude also traded in Dracula Unleashed. <gasps> um, that's Ooh. not how much I paid for it because no disc one, only disc two. Oh, no. So since Carrie's awesome, he's like, you just want it? I'm sure you'll find the first disc in your travels. I'm like, sure, because it's, it's complete wow. aside from the first disc. I can find the first disc. Um, but that's another, I guess, FMV. If you have to buy both discs, like disc only versions of it, it'd still probably be worth buying it. Just so you yeah. can get. I mean, the first good. tagline on the top of this says the first interactive Gothic horror movie. So yeah, I'm down. Wow. <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds pretty fun. Guaranteed to please. And then, um, so I left warp zone and drove another hour and a half because nothing's close to anything in this stupid state. Um, and I checked out this new place called, uh, crap. I, th- I, I forget it now, but that was warp zone in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Please everybody go to it. And I want to find the name awesome. of this place so that I say it correctly. Um, come on. I was just there. Retro gaming asylum, uh, in Beaver, Ooh. Pennsylvania. Um, but, my buddy Lee mentioned it to me randomly, and I was like, maybe I'll try to swing out there today. And it was after being at Warp Zone for like an hour and a half, I sit in my car and I look, and it's like, oh, it's an hour and a half from here. Fuck it. Let's just go. Let's just do this. So went out there. The guy's really nice. We were BSing about Saturn and stuff and um, uh, different things. But I ended up walking out of there with two things. Uh, ESPN Extreme Games on PlayStation 1, which is a launch wow. game in a giant long box jewel case this was they also i almost got but since i had already did a good bit of shopping i didn't get they also had twisted metal in the bumper case long box but that was like 40 bucks which actually isn't a bad price for that launch game version um this is a fun stupid racing game where you race on rollerblade skateboards street luges and Mm. bikes um that sounds cool yeah, uh, insane, rush, charge, gnarly, pure juice, rage, energy, stoked, radical, and epic. Just a few words that describe extreme games, and I could go okay, That's on. the most 90s way to phrase a game, I think, actually. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I'll read the back real quick. Rip up courses on inline skates, shoot for shoot for max speed on the street luge, pull serious, serious air on the skateboard, and shred courses on the mountain bike. Get ready to punch and kick your way through an entire season of extreme competition. Battle radical opponents on the most treacherous terrain found on the face of the earth. This is ESPN's Extreme Games. No kooks allowed. Whoa! I don't even know what a kook is. What is I that? I don't either. I that might be a slur. I'm sorry. I don't think so. But... <laughs> uh, you and, should check. That. And then lastly, I think it's like they're creepy and they're kooky. The Adams family. Oh yeah. So maybe That's it's like cute. when someone's a kook, they're they're kooky. They're just nuts. Yeah. And then lastly, yeah. uh, PSP UMD hackers. Ah, zero cool. Oh, no, wow. <laughs> I was just thinking about that movie yesterday for some reason. Uh, probably because wow. I shared it on Instagram that I got the Blu-ray version. Um, Maybe. I don't know. So, okay, yeah, a kook so... is a mad or eccentric person. So there what you go. a fucking nut jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it sounds like uh, you do need to be a kook to play that game. So I got a lot of kooks should be allowed. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you got, that's, a, that's an amazing haul you've got there, actually. That's I was damn good. from leaving uh, my house to go to the post office, and when I got home yesterday, I was gone for seven hours <laughs> doing all of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I got an earful when I got home, but uh, it was worth it. Whoops. Oh, you didn't even take Rachel with you. Nah, she didn't <laughs> want to go, um, well, which is fine. Well, she regrets it now. 
<laughs> I, sure. Um, no, I, I do. I do hope to. Uh, I do really want to play that ESPN game because I remember playing the hell out of that. Like you can like upgrade your upgrade your rollerblades and crap, and it's just it, it, it's it's um digitized graphics, so like Mortal Kombat stuff. So it's actual people uh, okay. models racing. So when they like bail out and stuff, it's hilarious. But uh, oh, so hopefully next really week fun. I'll have I'll have some uh, feedback on how that game plays, but. Aren't many games with rollerblades in them? I can think of three now. The game you just mentioned, Jet Set Radio, even though they're futuristic rollerblades, I guess, and um, uh, Skitchin. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. It's basically, awesome. Yeah, like Road Rash of Road on Rash. rollerblades. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not as good as Road Rash, in my opinion. No, it wasn't yeah. as good. Yeah, I, I, I was really excited to play it, and I played it. I was like, uh, it's, I it's okay. I, I did like how you can get on when you start skitching on the car. Like, you hold yeah. onto the bumper, and you can, like, even punch people as you're doing that. Yeah. I think some, sometimes the cars break, so like they go get off my car, sort of thing. Like speaking oh, of yeah, box art, Where? there it is. <laughs> yeah, I think you can oh. run into the back of a car if you're not careful. Yeah, I remember yeah. that thing. I always got hit by cars every time I tried to play that game. There's yeah. there's a really good movie that I think we should do a watch party on one of these days. That's all about extreme rollerblading called Airborne. I've been trying to get Scotty to watch it with me for years. For years, <laughs> for years, it's such a good movie. It has Jack Black, Seth Green, so many awesome actors are in this movie. Yeah, you know, I think like, you've mentioned it before the church. Yeah, I right. know, but the world needs to. There needs to be well, more coverage of Airborne. I'm interested. In our... I'm interested. So let's let's do this one day. Sounds good to me. Sure. Yeah. Cool. You'll love it. Um, so for me, oh uh, Jesus! Dreamcast. I forgot I got a Dreamcast Ooh. mouse too. I, I, <laughs> oh, I nice. fell off my stack. I'm, I'm debating giving this away in the marathon because it's hard to come by one of these things. We'll see. Ooh, have you got one or already? I or? have one, and I stupidly I used to have two. I stupidly gave one away to somebody. Uh, so I have two Dreamcast keyboards for typing of the dead, of course, and one Dreamcast mouse. So, okay. Uh, well. Yeah. Let's see how if you're feeling very generous, that'd be lovely. But if you we'll if you see. want to keep it yourself, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. sorry, that no is worries. me. Go ahead, Graham. Okay, uh, so quick uh, Dreamcast uh, updates. Uh, there is no dongle. There is still no dongle. Man, uh, waiting on that. So yeah, I have to see what uh, Chris. Uh, I'm getting yeah, bored with your Chris Dreamcast anymore. stuff, Graham. What? You gotta ste- you gotta step up your game. Do something. Uh, if, no even dongle. if you're waiting on a dongle, there's got to be some other. Maybe get a replacement uh, shell, like something super. <laughs> I bet you can get like a super nineties uh, like design, kind of like Art Alive. Get an Art Alive custom Dreamcast. <laughs> that would be amazing. All pastel colors. Oh wow! Yeah, two little bastards on you know, <laughs> airbrushed on there. And what looks like a squirrel on the back? What is that? That's a big old. That's a dumb mouse. Oh, okay. Um, I think that's your next step, Graham. That you got to do. I can spray paint one myself. I could give it a try. Just do my own custom art. That could yeah. work. Sure. Do a custom Mega Visions one with just, Ooh, just spray yeah. paint. <laughs> we could give that away on the uh, Dreamcast. The Mega we away, Dreamcast. We gave away Mega Visions uh, controllers before. TJ had that done. Ooh. Some art by someone. Uh, that was a that was a process, but hopefully the people that got them really dug them. I hope so. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'll I could show yeah. If I give me um, a, keep talking, I'll I'll find pictures of them. But yeah, go ahead. Okay. Keep talking. So no, no big updates. Although 
if anyone watched or listened to the show last week, you'll know that basically Chris and Scotty convinced me to buy many things. <laughs> uh, so I got Advent Rising uh, and bought most of these actually during the show last week. But I bought Advent Rising on Steam, which Chris and I actually did a live stream of on our Twitch channel uh, last Friday. And it, I, turned, it started to be a shit show. It was, oh, it, yeah, I, yeah, it was, there was really bad. <laughs> but I think I think it pulled itself together. Don't you, don't you agree? Well, well yeah, but... Fun. For like the first time in ever, Graham and I decided, okay, let's, the day before, let's sit down and work through all the kinks, and we spent a good hour and a half, like, just working through the layout, making sure everything was set up and ready to go. What we didn't actually do, though, is play the game to make sure it was going to run well on Graham's computer. So, okay, so we actually originally tested uh, Streets of Rage 4 on my Xbox One. That worked beautifully because in my head, I thought we were going to be playing Streets of Rage. Then Chris was like, why don't you play Advent Rising? Everyone wanted to see you play it. I'm like, okay, I can do that. It shouldn't be that difficult. And then, yeah, it turns out me getting the Steam set up uh, and then also finding out the game doesn't really work properly with controllers, even though it says it is compatible with controllers. It worked fine for me. I did not experience the same problems you had. Okay. Well, I had problems where, like, the cat basically my controls were mapped weirdly. So, pressing the uh, second analog stick was like my attack button. So, like, at the start, you get into like a little fight. And like pressing like, just in, like, what would be R3. Yeah, like, R3, yeah. And yeah. I was just like, it's not, I, basically, I was trying to press X and B. Like, one of them maybe die forward. I kept diving at the enemies. And Chris, like, what are you doing? I was like, I can't <laughs> punch. I'm pressing all the buttons. And then, randomly pressed that one. I just hit them. I was like, Okay, so I was like, that's really weird. I'll change the control. So I went to the control mapping, changed that, and suddenly the camera was just like, woo, 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 like spinning around. Like, <laughs> okay. It actually ended up being a pretty fun stream. And, yeah. you know, and but, we, got it, we finally got it fixed. Yeah, basically I had to, I had to re- exit the game, restart it all, and not have the controller plugged in at all and use my keyboard. Because I could try and use the keyboard and mouse with the controller plugged in, but it's, the camera still kept rotating. So anyway, we fixed it. We played we played the opening level of the game, and I think I think it worked out pretty well. And I think the people watching had fun as well because there was good people in the chat like talking about it and stuff. So that was fun. Um, we had to pick it up on our next. You game. ended up liking the game too, right? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm really enjoying it. I see what you mean about how there are similarities to Halo. Um, the first person mode makes it so much easier to attack enemies. I have to admit, and I loved your wielding cool. the gun. You didn't. I don't think you had a lot of games um, during that era where you could switch between like third and first person you know view um no, you know, like I just remember on Fallout the fly three being the first one that introduced me to that and it was horrible yeah. in third person view, yeah. but yeah. um yeah morrowind you could do um okay but oh, that was a on different type of game but yeah that was on right. the original xbox yeah that was on that gen okay yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, not very, there weren't many games at all, like maybe a handful. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And there's still not many games today that really do that. But no. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I also did buy, I, well, in my head, I thought, I think I bought Bite the Bullet on the Xbox. Did I, did I do that, Chris? Am I going crazy? Did you tell me to buy Bite the Bullet on Xbox? I did tell you to buy Bite the Bullet. Yes, on Xbox. and I definitely I bought it because I actually remember buying it. But, but then I was thinking, like, did I buy it on Xbox or Steam? But anyway, uh, so I picked, so I can't even remember what games I bought. And I also, just like Chris, have control on Xbox One now. Uh, but I'm going to talk more about that later in the show. So with that, we will take a quick I break. I did find pictures oh. of the controllers. Let me share oh, my okay. screen real, real quick. Uh, Bring it up if you can. Let's see if this yeah, works or this breaks, work. breaks my stream. Can you guys see that? I'm going to have to do a pop-up of the image on the thing. But yeah, for, for the uh, uh, audio uh, listeners... 
uh yeah that's really cool uh those are really cool actually wow and then so there's where do you see the back wait, though yeah, the one uh there you go ah cool do you want to describe what they are to to the audio listeners there nope the um so the <laughs> <laughs> there, there's two Dreamcast controllers. TJ Kitsune got these done by um, someone who does custom paint jobs on consoles and stuff. Uh, one of them, uh, it's kind of a gold yellow, almost a dandelion or a uh, or a mustard. Um, mm-hmm. The whole the the body of the controller, the face of the controller is that. And they took off the Dreamcast swirl and logo on the fronts, but the one that's gold, it has a skull with wings coming out the sides, and then the face buttons and the D pad are and the start button are all sprayed black. Um, and then the back of that one is just all gold. And it says Megavisions, our old, old logo when we were all digital. Oh, and I actually, I just noticed the wings go on to the, almost where the trigger buttons are. And then the other one is white still, <clears throat> but it has, um, I don't know what you would call that. Calls that? Call that. It's like some weird, almost hieroglyphics or like Aztec looking writing. Still face buttons, D-pad, start button are all black. Um, the, mm. the lower part of the controller, uh, kind of just where your hands don't touch, but just around the start button is black. And then there's side swirlies. And then the other side is just the Megavisions logo on the back. But yeah, we had the, we yeah. gave those out one year for the marathon. The the white one reminds me the uh, symbols kind of remind me of stuff from like Lost Winds or maybe even like Zelda or something. It's getting a sure. Lost Winds vibe to me. Yeah, and the okay. one on the right, the one with the skull with the wings, really reminds me of Skies of Arcadia. But I've just double checked and it's not the same logo. But it kind of really oh, reminds yeah. me of Skies of Arcadia. Uh, I gotcha. But yeah, that's cool. That looks really awesome. Yeah, so good nice. stuff. Excellent. That's all. So that's I guess that ends. Uh, oh, sorry, I need to rejig that. Brilliant. Okay, so that, so yeah, I think that ends our intro. So let's uh, have a quick bathroom break, and we'll be right back. What's up, guys? We are on Twitch three days a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. What is the internet? But if you go to twitch.tv backslash megavisions. Monday, Mon- mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, uh, you will see us playing everything from Fantasy Star Online 2 to Anarchy Reigns on our Thursday night throwdowns, which we do also invite the community into. Uh, and we have coming up on there to be hosted on Twitch is the 24-hour Dreamless Dreamcast Marathon on September 12th. Mark your calendars, but otherwise, t- check us out any day throughout the week. Keep an eye on twitch.tv backslash megavisions. Welcome back, everybody, and we're now moving on to Scotty Moe's Sack of Wonder. Sack of Wonder! Got it. <laughs> yep, let's un, 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 unfasten this beast. Get it out, get that stuff out of the way there, and here we go. We got EJ coming to us from the Discord. Is there any chance that Sega would consider making a Master System mini console? Uh, I'm going to say right now as we're standing, no. Um, but depending on where the Game Gear and Astro City and other, like, nostalgia's all the rage still, so there could be some crazy off-the-wall demand for it. Right now, I think no. Mm. Uh, Graham, what do you think? 
I'm going to say no, but yeah, I, I I really wish they would. I'd love them to do maybe even a Master System slash Game Gear mini console, like a all in one sort of thing, because they had they had games that were the same on both consoles. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Master System had slightly bigger sprites, but the Game Gear had better colors and stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, I yes. think yeah, you're right because that, that's like that, why yeah. they couldn't do. They couldn't do an adapter for Game Gear games, I think, to play on the Master System because the Master System didn't output as many colors as the Game Gear, I think it was. Yeah, I remember the power, like power base converter. You played Master System games on the Genesis, right? Is that what that did? Uh, yeah, and you could also play Master System games on the Game Gear with one of them as well. Oh, I yeah. Got that it. weird thing that like yeah. screwed on to yeah. the cartridge input somehow yeah. or something. I might, yeah, I might actually, I might quickly grab it. It's on my shelf. Do it. Do you think it's possible, Chris, that that would ever happen? I, Master System. Maybe? I don't. I don't think Sega would create in its own like mini console like we got with like the the Genesis. I don't think Sorry. we'd get something like this. But what I think would be kind of neat is like imagine if they basically made like a USB Master System Mini, where it was literally the size of a USB stick. Right, mm. and it would just plug in to your TV's HDMI uh, port, and would be powered on that way. And then it would also be Bluetooth, so you'd have to use Bluetooth controllers, uh, so you could be able to sync your like PS4, your Xbox One controllers to it, and you could play it that way. That way, like you could, they could sell it for like twenty bucks or something, super super cheap online or whatever. I think you know, just running it right off a chip like right there and and not have an actual like big unit where you're actually it would be a bigger investment uh to do something like this uh because let's let's be honest you know the the genesis is sega's most successful system of all time that's why it made commercial sense for them to release this but the master system in large part was a massive failure uh, you know, like they, it didn't sell well. It, it had a very small market share. I know that it was more popular in Europe, Graham. I know that, but I'm saying worldwide, it was not a success. Like it had a no, like no. single digit, uh, like uh, hold on the you know like the I forget the like a market share, uh, during that time. So I don't think a physical like product like this would be a commercial success. Uh, on at least on a large scale, where we would see it like at retail and things like that. Maybe, but I feel like the the beauty of the micro consoles is that that they are miniature versions of the original console. I feel like it, uh, the USB stick thing makes sense from like a commercial standpoint. In that, yes, it'll be cheap for them to make, but I'm not sure how many people would actually buy that compared to actually having a physical little unit that actually looks like a mini master system. Because that's part of the appeal. Part of the I appeal would is say actually, make- oh, look at this. But you could still make the case of the thing look like a mini master system. You could still make oh, it look yeah, like a master yeah. system. It would be shaped, and you could keep it on your keychain and just take yeah, it with I, you wherever you go. It would be an appeal if it was like, yeah, like in the shape of a master system. Or you could put it on a keychain, like take take your retro games with you anywhere, sort of thing. Yeah, and imagine really just cool. like you you go anywhere in any monitor with the HDMI. You could plug it in, and maybe it could even sync to your phone where you could control. Um, the menu with your phone and you have your own like virtual d-pad i think something like that would be kind of cool because you could take it with you wherever you go um and just plug it in like hey let's play some master system well, games they they should make a little handheld make game gear mini that can play master system games that's what they <laughs> should do the i don't the think game gear. that 
Yeah, I was just going to say taking away the shell of the console itself takes away from the mass appeal yep. because the the mini the classics whatever like those appeal to the to the to the every man and woman every person because they look like that thing but he, but you know uh, people like us and in our circles, we know that's just a Raspberry Pi in there that is essentially the size smaller than a flash drive. But you know the layman do, the layman don't know that, so they're like, mm. I like this thing that looks like this thing. I remember, I love this thing still. So that's my. I imagine the product that I was talk- talking about being in one of those like impossibly to open plastic clamshell looking cases where uh, yeah, um, there's no screws <laughs> on it, like Apple. There's design. no screws. You have to use some scissors and it becomes this like sharp instrument of death that you can slice your hands on. But those would be like right up there, like at target and Walmart with all the other retro stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like, Oh, buy this, you know, mini keychain, and you have your, you could even do a Genesis one. You know, you could do that. That would sell a billion. I'm sure 20 bucks. What did you find Graham? So, Sorry, I've just been messing around. Uh, yeah, I've got my my Game Gear, which mm-hmm. I haven't actually played in years. I'm not sure if it still works, to be honest. Um, I have Open Sonic the Hedgehog on the Master nice. System, which I think it it is not complete in box. But I actually have like three copies of this, so I think one of them is complete in box. Dude, um, you need to check so the yeah. labels on that because some of those are worth some bank. Really? Oh, okay. I yes. will do then. And then I have my little. It's called a Gear Master. Um, which you plug into oh the Game Gear. God. Yeah. And then you can plug in. Oh, oh am I doing this the right way around? I'm going to break it. Okay. Cool. So the game actually has up. to be facing where the screen is. So, yeah. And that's, that that's it. So I don't have batteries mind. in this, so I can't play it. I was going to say, <laughs> I can't show you the, in action. Yeah. Before you turn that on, maybe open up the battery pockets to make sure there's not acid everywhere. But, yeah, right. no, they're, they're clean it's okay i think i took the batteries out to make sure that wouldn't happen because that happens yeah, to be one of my old game gears so yeah yeah um, that happened to me with the yeah. nomad with the uh with the battery oh. pack that comes with the nomad that thing's messed up I yeah i really clean it I, I don't have a battery pack with my nomads i've just it didn't come with it one because that's a good <laughs> idea yeah this portable handheld which you need to plug in unless you buy something extra so let's say Sega did uh, end up making some sort of thing like this. What do you think are like the top games that you would want to, to see on it? To answer Funny you should ask that question. because Serenix asks that. What games would you like to see on it? Um, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, I'd like to see a Zillion more than anything. The first Zillion was pretty good. And there's not too many exclusives on the Master System. Besides, I mean, you'd get the Alex Kidd games, I guess, the Sonic mm-hmm. games. But one that I definitely think of is, def- is, is Zillion, first first one that comes to my mind. I'm looking at what my... other good uh, like two player games were there on the Master System? Oh boy, were there many even? Them. I don't um, know because that was like where they started to um, try to bring arcade games to it. Right. Uh, let's see here. Cause it, well, they have Golden Axe on it. Is that two-player, though? I don't know. Don't they have Golden Axe on the Master System? They have it on. Or Golden Axe Warrior is on it. Uh, Alien yeah. Syndrome is on it. Um, they have Streets of Rage, though. They have Streets of Rage. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you, yeah. you'd have to put Streets of Rage on that. Yeah. yeah. I, I've got a few, but I think any of them actually made by Sega. Um, uh, we've got Rastan. Yeah, that's a great game. Yep, that um, is great. Apparently, I want, Bubble Bobble. Uh, is that, 
I mean, Bubble Bubble. I've actually I got found Bubble a Bubble, actually. literal yeah. top ten Sega Master System co-op games list. Ooh, uh, okay. So let's see what's on here. What do you got there, Graham? Though. So uh, I've got this is Chuck Rock Two, but either Chuck Rock or Chuck Rock Two. Those those were great games back in the day. Um, Donald Duck's Lucky Dime Caper. That was a the great hell? platform game. Oh, it's I think such that a fun was on Game, game Gear, wasn't up. it, or something? Yeah, that was also on Game Gear. Was. Um, keeping it the Disney theme, Castle of Illusion on the Game Gear. It's different to the Genesis or Mega Drive version. I really like it. Uh, Jungle Book, also a fun ga- game. And Master of Darkness, which I believe Chris knows very well. I was going to say... Um, or do you? Yes, of course. I, I love that game. I still say that I think <laughs> in many ways it's better than Castlevania 2, um, which it was whoa. heavily based on. So this was like this was in an era where... Uh, Nintendo was using these like very predatory and aggressive, uh, like uh, basically business dealings where they were trying to strong arm uh, Sega out of retail space. So they basically told re- some retailers like, hey, if you uh, or I'm sorry, not retailers, but um, publishers of games. So they were saying, like, if you're going to publish games on the Nintendo, you're not allowed to publish them on any other system, meaning they couldn't come on the the master system and eventually the Genesis with some stuff, but it eventually opened up. Um, but anyway, at that time, so Sega, what they ended up having to do is they had to develop in-house games that were very similar to super popular games that were on the NES. So that's why you see master of darkness, which is essentially a Castlevania clone, but they wanted to be able to have basically something that could compete with, with this popular system or game on, on their, you know, uh, competition system. So, uh, I think a lot of I think Master of Darkness does a lot of things really cool, and I actually really really like it. That explains uh, Golden Axe um, Warrior being like frame for frame the first Zelda in some areas, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so if there's one, okay, to, to answer our next question, let's just say if there's one game you would want to see on this, what would it be? I'd say Zillion. I like Zillion. Okay, Graham. Ah. Uh. I mean, I, I just named all those games I really love, but I actually might go for Sonic 2, or the Master Special Sonic 2, because I actually really like that. It's really tough. It's actually one of the toughest Sonic games out there, if anyone's played it. Um, it's the same as the Game Gear version, um, but yeah, very difficult, very fun, very different as well. Uh, I'm going to go yeah. with Shining Force Sword of Hyja, uh, because that's a really Ooh. good Shining Force game, and I think you need some sort of... Uh, strategy RPG uh, to round out the library on this yeah. thing. Um, mm-hmm. But the more I, I talk about it, the something. more I'm talking myself into wanting one of these things. Let's do it. Let's let's keep on Sega. <laughs> well, like, on. I'm sure I'm sure we could license the Master System. I mean, Sega don't probably care not. about that, right? Yeah, it's probably nah. not worth much. Come not on, yeah. yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we could buy the Shining Force sort of Hyja uh, license <laughs> for like twelve bucks. Yeah. We already got shiningforce four dot com registered, so let's talk to Sketch again, and we'll be good with that. Oh yeah, <laughs> talk to him about that site again. Um, yeah, I guess uh, some of these top ten co-op Master System games. It says like Rambo, Time Soldiers, Gauntlet. I guess was on there. Um, Double Hawk, whatever that is. Super Space Invaders, Rampage, Miss Pac-Man, Bubble Bobble, Quartet, and then Double Dragon. Oh, Quartet was a great Quartet game. Quartet was a fun game. That yeah. was a, that was that. Um, wasn't that that arcade game where you used like little dials to like fly around? I don't know. Uh, you were like space, like a, you were in like spacesuits. Is that what? Am I thinking of a different game? I were, think that's it. You wait. You are in there. Wait. Uh, 
people well, like running around jumping turning into a robot careful when you open oh something. no that's not good you're you're like little a girl and a guy running around with guns kind of like in a yeah. bubble bubble style environment you know yeah. just a single screen mm-hmm. with platforms yeah um there was a really good ninja game which i can't remember what it's called but it was really tough um on the master system which is exclusive i can't remember what it is now can sign uh, it no it's, it's probably, i think it's called like something just like ninja <laughs> at first glance this looks like joust but i don't think it is quartet i mean yeah there's like you're shooting around but i think because i i played the arcade at fun spot a few years ago when i went there and you have this like little metal dial from what i remember and there's buttons but the dial is like allows you uh, a really smooth kind of uh control of your motion and stuff if i'm remembering correct i could be completely off base but okay the game i'm thinking of is called the ninja and it is a two-player game um, is that the one I think that just has ticket. him throwing a shuriken on the cover uh yes basically it's a really yeah. basic cover of the same ninja and there's like a picture of a ninja in the corner with a shuriken like flying out <laughs> i don't know how we made it this far without mentioning without mentioning how phenomenally bad the master system box art was for most games <laughs> especially yeah, the wrestling they, one where the guy has yeah. his own head in a headlock and he's decapitated or something <laughs> oh, yeah uh, Oh, wow. Just literally yeah, type, just everyone but... listening, Google Master System Box Art, and it's gold, pure gold. <laughs> um, but that's going to do it for the, the mail sack, unless you guys had anything to add to our uh, talking ourselves into a needing a new mini console. Yep. Who would have thought? We're going we're gonna <laughs> to yep. sack it. We're going to seal the sack. Uh, I try to do this close to the mic to get the sound, but it just looks awkward, and it's not going to play. <laughs> I can't even do it. All right, let's hear that click. There we go. That's it. There's just one because I'm tired nice. of dealing with Excellent. it. Oh, what now? And that will, <laughs> that will bring us on to our top news of the week. So as always, we're going to pick uh, something from the news that we like from gaming, world of movies, TV shows. Um, uh, shall I kick it off this week, chaps? What do you think? Go for yeah. it. Okay. Awesome. So this one came out actually this week. Um, well, oh, everything's come out this week, basically. But sorry. Um, so this is actually Scotty just mentioned this to me at the start of the show because I actually didn't know about this. So what a twist. Uh, so breaking news, sort of, for me. Um, Halo Infinite is delayed. And um, so studio head Chris Lee has said that the decision to shift our release is the result of multiple factors that have contributed to development, uh, to development challenges, including ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year. I want to acknowledge the hard work from a team at 343 Industries who have remained committed to making a great game and finding solutions to development challenges. However, it is not sustainable for the well-being of our team or the overall success of the game for it to ship this holiday. Um, and the interesting thing about this is, so it looks like it's being pushed back to 2021. It looks like if when the Xbox Series X launches is this year in November, it looks like a November release, um, it won't have any first party software apparently from one of the articles I was reading. So that's that's probably a first ever, I think. I've never heard of a games console being released where the manufacturer of the games console hasn't got any of its own games on there. That's incredible. Yeah. Um but what do you guys think quickly? Like are you do you guys care about this? Are you happy it's been delaunched or the uh, delaunched? Delayed. Are you having the launch has been delayed? Delaunched. Bring it. That's a new word. I think I think <laughs> they made the smart decision here. Uh it's it's tough, man, because Halo Infinite is is going to be it was gonna be huge for Microsoft, like early into the life of the Xbox. I would say, man, 
Microsoft should be should be launching every system with a Halo game. It's I, it, it's equivalent to Nintendo's Mario. Mario should not be launching a system unless it has a Mario or a Zelda to to lead mm. off it with. Um, and I think this is what what Xbox has. And Halo still is a huge, huge game in the in in the video game industry. And to to now delay this into the following year, and now, I mean, really, what <clears throat> what are you going to have? exclusive on on the xbox day one when you've got sony i'm sure sony's gonna have some pretty big first party games you know um, ready to come right out of the gate and i think right now they have miles morales the spider-man and, which is big. that that's what it's called and um yeah. uh crap what is that one called that's not little big planet but you're a little robot and astrobot okay okay uh, yeah so they have stuff, but this is like they started that last conference with Halo Infinite. So you know <laughs> yeah. that this was not even in anyone's mind before that conference. Otherwise, you know, reverse this. If they had said Halo's going to be delayed, but then still even start the show with Halo, that would have been better than this. But this is very... Yeah. I would bet money that this is reactionary. Like they weren't... Well, I, that they was going to be my next question. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, is, this, is this a reaction... Due to the, the the criticism that came out after them showing off, they're like, "Look, guys, we, we got to go back and fix this stuff. This is we're not going to be able to do this." So yeah, I was going to mention that since some of the news sites I was actually looking at have speculated that could be it that they had such a bad sort of negative reaction to screenshots and some of the gameplay footage shown, and maybe mostly around the visuals and stuff that they are thinking about delaying it for for one of those reasons i think i think the covid thing could be a legitimate thing because that has really yeah. affected lots of things around right. the world not just in the gaming industry but everywhere but yeah i think that could be a big thing about this um and well I, if it is uh, to be honest if it is i'd rather they clean up the game and make it as good as possible right. when they come to launch so for me yeah as long as it's not being delayed by like two years they haven't really announced when it will come out but uh yeah if it's early next year that's um... not a big deal for me well, the uh, wow! I had a thought, and it's gone now. Um, I was going to say the I I think this is the right decision, no matter what. Like like I was saying though that you have to have a Halo game at launch. I think the worst thing you can do is have a bad Halo game at launch, and I think that would have yes, been that's more damaging say. to Microsoft than going forth and saying like, "Hey, we have to have a Halo game." I don't care if it's you know going to underperform, whatever. We need that to to go against. Uh, Microsoft or go get Sony. I think a lot of executives would make would have made that, and I think a lot of people probably in past um, Microsoft leadership would have would have went that way. Uh, so I got to hand it to them that they made this call because this is super ballsy. This is going to hurt Microsoft uh, in the pockets. I guarantee you, this impacts their um, projection numbers for what you know, they're going to, you know, sell over the, you know, maybe first quarter of the Xbox. It doesn't matter. Xbox is going to sell out at launch, you know, like that's going to happen no matter what all new consoles sell out at launch. That's just what happens these days. Were you there for the PS3? No, no, I'm talking about the PS4. Yeah. Current gen. Like, yeah, I mean, Nintendo still can hardly keep the switch on the shelves. You know, this stuff is, it's not just sitting on store shelves anymore. And when it, when it launches a new generation, everyone buys it regardless of if they have a killer, you know, app on, on the system. But what's going to happen is like, what, ha- what happens after holiday when, you know, like when we're into 
the first couple months of 2021. You know, what's what are they going to have like January, February, March, where while you know the PS5 maybe you know having some more heavy hitters come. So uh, I'm I'm interested. I, you know, I I think Xbox will be fine. I think it'll be fine over the long run. But I think this will hurt them. You know, in the first six months or so of mm. the um, the Xbox One Series X or Xbox Series X, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, people were speculating <laughs> that, like, the system was going to get a delayed launch because this game... Because, I mean, uh, but a lot of it is like, oh, what's uh, what's coming out on the Xbox? Halo and this other stuff was kind of how that press conference went, too. Like, we've got Halo yeah. and this other stuff, so it is going to hurt them for sure. Um, I think that... Uh, I Was it... Was it um, who? Oh, my God. Metal Gear Solid, Death Stranding. What the hell is his name? Uh, Kojima? Kojima? Yeah. Didn't yeah. Kojima say, like, um, a delayed launch? You you don't remember a delayed game. You remember a poorly launched game or something like that. I thought um, that was um, that was um, the N- Nintendo. Uh, Miyamoto? Miyamoto. Maybe it was Miyamoto. I, I believe it was Miyamoto. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, yeah, I guess, but yeah. that's 100% true because I still, mm. and I still talk about it, Street Fighter V's launch where it was just not a complete game and it was one of the mm. sloppiest things in the world that they tried to push out before the Capcom Cup tournament thingy and like it's okay now but you don't do that. Yeah, you don't launch an yeah. incomplete game. Um we could we could run down the list of examples of when yeah game devs but, did I mean, that but what one one jumped into my head just very quickly about this and it wasn't necessarily an incomplete game but it was one with full of bugs which was Sonic the Hedgehog 2006. That had so it was like regardless of the storyline, some people like the storyline, people don't. That's so many bugs and problems with it. That's actually affected the whole franchise since then. That you know, every and whenever a new Sonic game comes out, people are like really negative about it, or they're really speculating is this going to be a good game? If it's not perfect, it suffers really badly. Like some of the Sonic, Sonic games that come out have actually been really fun. I mean, Sonic Boom's not a good game. <laughs> no, I was um, saying, like, that's another example of, like, I mean, that went through okay. dev hell and things so far out of their control, yeah. but then by the time it came out, it's like, why'd you even release this, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, there's been some Sonic games which I think have actually been very fun. Maybe not mm-hmm. amazing, but very fun, but they've just been suffered because of what's happened in the past. So, yeah, yeah. if if they were to release Halo really badly, people would probably switch off from the franchise and be like, ah, this isn't that good. So, yeah. You know, uh, um, but so I yeah, think, well, um, like people like us, like we're patient. We don't have to have. Uh, I, I'm not gonna. I haven't. I'm not gonna get the console at launch day at all. Um, but I'm not getting any console on launch day. Um, but we are not going to be. Also, what is time right now? Like, you know, <laughs> November is a month and a half. Of, or wait, I can't do math. Two and it's a half. A, Two and a half months away, but yep. in quarantine time, that's ten years, but it's also three weeks. So, like, yeah. who cares? <laughs> not, not who cares, yeah. but like, it's not going to be as detrimental for us as it might be for someone else who's like saving up and waiting for this pre-order to like throw their money at the Amazon screen or something, you know? Yeah. Well, for me, I actually, because I, I very rarely buy consoles at launch. I think the Dreamcast was the last system I bought at launch. Right. And this was going to be a console I was considering buying at launch, partly because of Halo, because I love Halo, and I thought I'm really excited for this new type of Halo. This might put me off buying at launch, which in, in the long run could be better for me, because hopefully after launch, it'll go down maybe a little bit in price. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. If other good games are on there, I may get it at launch still. But, Did uh, we mention we don't, we don't have the launch date leak in any of our news here, right? 
Oh, we don't, do we? Ooh. I don't think so. So, I mean, we'll mention it real quick because it's nothing confirmed, but the Yakuza, um, most recent Yakuza game was supposed to be a launch, is supposed to be a launch game with a new Xbox console, and that has a release date of November 13th. So pretty hardcore speculating that that's going to be when the console launches. Right after Election Day, folks, it's going to be a hot month. And it was, uh, <laughs> that would be a Friday, and uh, Microsoft actually released the Xbox One on a Friday as well. Um, okay. The original Ooh, Xbox, okay. I think Xbox 360 was released on a Tuesday uh, worldwide. But, okay. Um, so there is some precedent to say that they they have some Friday releases. So we'll see. There's no we'll Halo see. Tuesday this year. Uh, no. It's on a Tuesday, <laughs> Halo Tuesday. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Next. <laughs> Wow. Okay, so yeah, I guess that brings us to the end of that bit of news. And let's uh, move on with Chris with uh, your one, please. Okay. Um, So, as you guys know, I mean, theaters for, at least in America, have been completely shut down. Uh, You guys can't go to theaters. California, apparently. Oh, is that right? They're allowing some indoor theaters to be open? I just remember hearing recently that uh, I say, again, I just mentioned what is time right now, but recently it was saying like California is going to start closing theaters. This was a couple weeks ago. I'm like, going to start? <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. crazy. Well, I mean, nationwide for the most part, all theaters have been shut down since, you know, like mm-hmm. probably March or something. Um, so it's basically meant the movie industry stopped releasing, you know, movies. There's been some of the smaller movies that have made its way to the streaming and things like that. Uh, but now uh, theaters are going to start opening back up, uh, basically uh, beginning on August 20th uh, for all the states that are allowing it. AMC uh, is going to open their theaters. Uh, Regal is going to be doing it the following day on August 21st. But what's kind of interesting about AMC, they're going to be opening more than a, a theaters at 100 locations, and the admission prices for that first day is going to be 15 cents per ticket. Wow. Uh, for the first day, um, it's basically to try to celebrate, I guess, their centennial celebration uh, wow. because it, it was started back in the, the 1920s. Uh, and this Ooh. was about the same price that moviegoers back in 1920 oh, were, okay. um, were paying. I think this is interesting because hmm. you're essentially going to see a free movie. You know, you and your <laughs> significant other, even me and all my kids, it would be like a dollar to, to get in how much is the popcorn? That's a good point. <laughs> That's where they get um, with the upcharge. <laughs> so, yeah. but I think what this is doing, I think this is a smart marketing tactic here, guys, because what the biggest thing, um, the, the biggest concern or the biggest hurdle that movie theaters have to overcome right now is, is how can we gain the trust back uh, from moviegoers um, that it's safe? Because now, you know, like we're slowly going back where we could do outside dining now. And then some places are allowing some inside dining. But going inside a theater where you're basically in a big enclosed room with a bunch of other people, a lot of people aren't comfortable with that right now. But if you're basically saying like, hey, come see what we've done and see how safe we've made it. And you just have to pay 15 cents a ticket and you can get in. That's going to make people want to come back to theaters and to say, Hey, let me give it a shot. It's basically a free movie. I can go see, um, and I can go hang out, you know, for a few hours at the movie theater. And I want to get back to watching those. So I think it's smart marketing and I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see what. Mm, yeah. 
Um, I'm actually wondering, do you reckon they had this idea for this promotion before the whole pandemic started? Because, no way. Which, as you say, like the, the 15 cent thing to mark the centennial, that's how much they used to pay back in 100 years ago. That's something that other companies have done in the past. Like for one day, they'd be like, we're 100 years old. This is what people used to pay. Pay that price today. So, I mean, it could just be a reaction to the COVID to get people right. back in. But I wonder I'm if they sure... had an idea like that or something. So... They may have these. I will say that the 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 throwback ticket prices only apply to like these what they're calling legacy movies. So these aren't like brand new movies uh, um, okay. new, because they, that they would be taking a massive loss because the movie the the movie studios aren't going to be down for like you're not going to show our a tenant for fifteen cents a ticket. You know that's not going to happen um, <laughs> unless the movie theater chains themselves were fronting the cost of that, and that's not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. and so what they're able to do is, you know, Black Panther, Empire Strikes Back, these movies, they can, they can license these out and, and, and air that and then take that loss because the cost of uh, licensing that, those movies compared to like first run straight, you know, from the studio movies, um, is minuscule compared to, you know, getting right. tenant out there. So <laughs> I think that's what, why you see this. So to answer your question, Graham, it very well may, could have, it may have been part of their plan all along. But they're saying like, hey, let's get this, let's start this um, during, you know, when we're allowed to reopen for COVID. Yeah. And um, I think that's a smart move on their part. So. Yeah, it might have been like and a plan please. B or like a plan F for the 15 cent yeah. thing. But now they're like, oh, let's uh, let's do that because otherwise, what the hell? Have they said how much um, they're going to allow filling the theaters? Like what percentage or anything? That's going to be based on state to state and even maybe county to county. Um, oh, wow. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, AMC, obviously, there's there's no federal policy on how you know the states are handling that because that's been the big thing, at least in America, Graham. I don't know if you uh, are aware, but a lot of the state mm-hmm. governors were fighting and bickering with Trump, especially like the Democratic state governors. So like New Jersey, New York and everything, especially them. Um, and so Trump has basically allowed the states to manage each of their policies, like within the state itself. Um, and that's, yeah. you know, that's why we have governors. And so it's going to be interesting to answer your question, Scotty. I think it's going to be dependent on um, just the different states and stuff. Maybe Graham asked that question. I can't remember, but um, I just don't. So, get but yeah, how you would, how you would fully authorize that. Is that a word? Because like, Having worked in a movie theater, it's hard enough to tell stupid teenagers to shut the fuck up while the movie's playing, let alone physically keep yeah. people from each other. Especially just, I got to go to the bathroom, so now I got to walk past like these three families. I just right. I, I think I what they'll probably do is, I, I would imagine not sitting more than you know three groups of people in a row, and then you know you're obviously skipping rows and stuff. So they're gonna have to have you know, chairs marked off where you yeah. can't sit on them. And well, this, this is like specific chairs and yeah, you have I'm to sure. buy tickets. We've, we've all been to theaters where like, there's maybe been a leak or a broken chair and they just literally put a trash bag and tape it <laughs> to the chair. So that, I guess that's how they would prevent people from Probably. sitting in certain seats or something like that. Yeah. I don't think this is a mm-hmm. good idea, but I can understand where they're coming from in terms of the economy and money. But, oh boy, I don't know. Yeah. I think, I mean, there comes a time where, I mean, these businesses can't just get by 
and and wait you know like the, right it, there's 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 like um there has to be a compromise um yeah and i know that's that's one of you know the big political issues going on right now um, in our country did but... you guys see sort of in relation to this and i don't mean to get tangential but um you know how onward disney's latest pixar joint that released it was going to release in theaters and then quarantine and pandemic happened and then they just put it on disney plus um the uh upcoming Mulan movie uh not going to be in theaters obviously but you can pay $30 to watch it whoa yeah no, so it's no like chance. and Rachel was telling <laughs> they're me they're calling it like, some like Disney premiere or something yeah, like that they have like a new name for it bullshit like... <laughs> it's just it's amazing yeah. cuz it's like you know onward they did what they did because like this movie is done we have marketed this we have to release this so that people will buy shit around it and stuff and so it was kind of an emergency thing with the emergency going on just throw it on a disney plus whatever people are already paying money for that but now it's like oh this isn't coming out to theaters so we're gonna have to have people buy it like okay disney you don't need more money a and b thirty dollars even if you're like a family even if it's like chris's family if it's like seven people sitting down yeah thirty dollars is an okay price for a ticket i guess but like me and rachel like Thirty dollars for just the two of us to watch that—that's more than we would have paid to actually physically go yeah. to the theater. And do you get access? To, if if you get access to watch that as much as you like, as long as you got Disney Plus, or I'm not sure. is it a one-off payment for like an evening or something like a weekend? You know, I like don't know. You can rent movies for uh, like forty-eight hours. I can see if I, I know find that out real quick. But bear with me. I know that a lot of the movie companies are trying to essentially like market it as like, hey, you know, you're like you're you're saving money because if you and all your family came out to the theater. You'd be paying more than this, so thirty dollars. It's you know, it's it's less than what you would be paying. But the thing is, though, is that it's also a night out or a day out with your family. You yeah. know, you're getting out of the house, you're going to go do right. something. So part of the cost that you're 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 willing to pay more uh, for, you know, see this movie um, for the experience. You know, you're getting out, yeah. you're going to the theater. It's a it's a it's a much bigger screen. The sound is way better. There's popcorn. There's soda. And so it's an experience, and that's why people like going to the movie theater. Sitting in your living room, paying $30 for a movie when there's literal, like, almost limitless movies streaming that you could do for free. Uh, I, I don't – that man, that – I'm not on board with that. I'm not going to be paying those kind of premium fees to stream a damn movie from my house. You know what that does? That tells me that, you know, like, that policy right there is going to bring back – piracy in a huge way oh yeah definitely right. yeah that's right because i feel like netflix and stuff has kind of not exactly ended piracy but it's really brought it down a lot because it's so easy to access and yep. it's affordable it's an affordable price like yeah I, I i don't need to go to some dodgy site where i could get a virus and take ages to download a movie i can or do a dodgy stream with adverts popping up i can pay you know six dollars or seven pounds okay. whatever it is to watch so... all these hundreds of movies you know okay so i have it here um so cool. it's set to premiere on Disney Plus on September 4th. It comes with the hefty price tag of 30 bucks. This is on The Verge. Um, in reality, for non-Disney Plus subscribers who want to watch the studio's live-action adaptation of Mulan, it's actually going to cost $37 because it's 7 bucks a month for Disney Plus. So if you, oh, wow. you have to have Disney Plus to watch this first. So And then it was saying here, um, if you do... Uh, if you get Mulan... So you're buying Mulan... And you're downloading it, but if you cancel Disney Plus, you won't have Mulan anymore either because you have okay. to have that to watch it. So it's just should, it's hot what, trash what, all over the place. 
I could wow. see them if they say like, "Hey, if you sign up for a year subscription to Disney Plus, we'll yeah. give you Mulan free." Right. That's that's how you you boost some subscription numbers right there. You keep yeah. them for a year. It's not like it's just a month or two months. Like, no, you sign these bastards up for a whole year at you know whatever. It's like six bucks a month. That's sixty dollars right there that you get up front. And yeah, throw Mulan because they, they should do it the other way. They should say. Thirty dollars to buy 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 this movie or something for people who aren't on Disney Plus, for example. And if you're on Disney Plus, you get it free. That's that would bring people to have subscriptions or or do them the year the year subscription thing, like to yep. to get them on board to the script subscription. But if you don't have Disney Plus, we're going to charge you a bloody fortune. If you've got Disney Plus, maybe if Disney Plus have like a massive discount, like you know five dollars or something. Anything, yeah, like, yeah. Like I think that's ridiculous. That's such a bad. That's I mean, people will probably buy it, like people with families or really want to watch it for whatever reason, but I don't know. Like, I, I enjoyed the the old Mulan a lot, but I don't think this is not one of those Disney movies I think, oh, I've really got to see the live-action version, considering most of the live-action versions haven't been that great, let's face it. Like, yeah. Um... Like, I've enjoyed some of them, but... Yeah, I mean, Lion King. What the hell was Lion King? Oh, <laughs> it was not a live-action movie, for don't, one. Yeah, don't get me started on Lion King. Um, but, but they like to yeah. call it that. It's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, does, it does go on to mention here how like, movies like Scoob, Rise of Skywalker, Trolls World Tour, those all went for 20 bucks. So, but, uh, yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, I, 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 I... For 20 bucks, what? Uh, yeah, it's... I know Chris rented it too. Scoob, you could just rent it for twenty yep. bucks the premiere weekend or whatever. Uh, we watched it oh. opening weekend. Yeah, I'm, and we didn't... I, you know, okay. I, I, I should say like I do see, um, uh, I, I do think that there is something going, you know, going for the studios here. Like I think you can charge people a premium price for these movies that are basically brand new. Like I, I, I don't expect yeah. that I'm spending four dollars on. Amazon to stream, you know, the, you know, like a blood sport or whatever, you know, like versus tenant or, you know, I can see paying for a more, a premium price, but when you're talking $30 compared to 15 or 20, that, that, I mean, it's at that point, it's, it's way, the scale is way off there. I was fine paying 20 bucks to watch Scoob because my kids were super excited for it, but man, I'm not paying $30 for, for fucking a shitty version of Mulan. With Scoob, did you get to sort of keep it and watch it, as, or do you, is it like a rental for like a weekend or something? I want to say it's um, you buy it basically. Okay, you, you, so that seems reasonable. Price to stream it, um, but you, I also bought it on 4K. But I would happily yeah. rent a movie for a weekend for like five pounds or five bucks or something. Like if it's that right. price, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's like. That would be like you know uh, a, a large soda or something at, at the cinema or whatever. I think what it was, Graham, it was it. it was twenty to rent and I think twenty five to own it. It was okay. a little bit more, right. and so at that point, I'm just like, I'll okay if I pay an extra five bucks and I can just keep it, whatever. Yeah, so that's what I did. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's a bit jacked up what they're trying to do there. This I, is I like think Nintendo, ways to do it. Nintendo level of we're dipping our toes into this new idea that everybody's been into for years, and we clearly have no fucking clue what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's 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 an example of just how I do think the movie industry's come a long way uh, to try to keep up with um, you know the evolving technologies and the the preference you know for people and how they like to view things um but this is just this is this is not moving things in the right direction here neat 
Yeah. And a lot of times you the 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 way you gauge that it probably is is piracy. You know, if, if piracy is going down, it's it's like it's likely there's something that the you know something good is happening for the movie industries. Um, right. And like you said, Greg, the reason why that for a long time has been ease of use. It's now easier for you just to click a couple buttons on um, Amazon Prime and rent a movie or buy a movie than it is going to your computer, downloading it, and you're risking a virus or some other crazy stuff. It's it's not it, it's it's the the cost and ease of use has now surpassed um yeah. you know the, the 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 time that it takes to do all this yourself. And so, but now if you're going to start pricing out that even further, then it's not so much anymore. Now you're going to get people that are like, I'm not paying 30 bucks. I'm just going to download it and watch it that way. So I think it's a big mistake. And maybe this is just personal preference, but I can't believe they're putting this much emphasis behind Mulan because I don't feel like people were excited for Mulan as they were on the live action ones. Yeah. I I mean, this one's one's not as much of a musical, but let's face it, if they they just flat out re-release Mulan, there would be a problem with some stuff in that movie. But yeah. You know. uh, Scotty, I know you like to talk about um, if you take a character out of a movie, is it and put just some other random thing in there? Is it still can it still oh, happen without Sonic, it? This yeah. is like quintessential that idea yeah. because you put any other character in there, and it just looks like it looks like you're so many other Chinese like era war like war movies that that come out. Like I, you can go to Netflix right now. And there's a ton, a ton of these type of movies and. I saw the trailers and everything, and it it looks just like a lot of what I've seen already. You know, yeah, it, it, didn't, it doesn't it didn't look have that, that Disney aesthetic to it at all, right? right. And it right. doesn't capture that the the you know the spirit of Mulan, at yeah. least in from what I've seen in the trailers and stuff. And is, is it a musical still? No, that's what I was saying. Not at all. Uh, yeah. So just go and watch the old. There's a Mulan live action Mulan movie made oh, about yes. ten years ago. Yeah, it's Mulan got on ice in it. That's um, it it's just it's just called Mulan, but it's it's not it's not a musical. It's a live action mo- retelling of Mulan. It's not bad. It's actually pretty decent. Go and watch it. So save save your money. Go and watch that instead. Man, this is <laughs> so here first. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah, like it's yeah. It's, see, the only reason um, I want to watch the Disney Mulan is for music. Sorry. Uh, anyway, right. Let's 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 put this. Let's put okay. this. Okay, hey, that's gonna what? do it. Yeah. Nope. That's fine. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you want a musical for The Lion King, guess what? It's the exact same thing in the live action one, but it's not at the same Ooh, time. Yeah. Go back and watch the old one. <laughs> anyway, I'm done. This is done. Cool. Okay, that's, yeah. and with that, that's going to wrap up our AMC theater talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so our next bit of news is actually a bit of news I wanted to talk about originally uh, until the Halo thing drops on my plate. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted to bring this up. Um, so the Avatar live action co well the actual avatar co-creators mike and brian have departed netflix's live action remake of avatar the last airbender um so for those who don't know uh avatar was a great sort of it was an american made cartoon it's kind of like a japanese anime style i guess um uh show back back i can't even remember when it first came out it was like a few years ago now it finished a few years ago it was a really fun show. They had three seasons. It was really good, uh, really good story. They had a planned beginning, planned ending, and really popular. They, M. Night Shyamalan, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, 
I can't say his name. <laughs> let's, let's try one more time. M. Night He did a live action movie, based basically based on the first season, which did not do very well at all. I remember watching it, thinking this is okay, but pretty much everyone hated it, so it wasn't yeah. great. It was, it was, fun. it was acceptable. I thought it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but um, yeah, it wasn't great. And the, the great thing about the Netflix show was that they were going to do uh, another. He's Brian Conico, anyway, Mike and Brian, the original co-creators of the series. They were on board for the Netflix show, and. Yeah, and so fans were like, yes, it's going to be great. But just the other day, uh, Mike actually put out a, an open letter to say that they are no longer involved in the project and it seems to be to do with creative differences. So they're not agreeing with stuff that Netflix is doing. I do actually have, I, I'm actually short in this, it's still quite long though. I've got a, a blurb from the open letter he's done. Do you want me to read it out, guys? Or Sure. Okay, so... This is from Mike. On his, he did it on uh, his website. He's also put it up on social media as well. as like on, on Instagram as well, if you follow him on Instagram. Um, Many of you have been asking me for updates about the Avatar live-action Netflix series. I can finally tell you that I am no longer involved with the project. In June of this year, after two years of development work, Brian and I made the difficult decision to leave the production. In a joint announcement for the series, Netflix said that it was committed to honoring our vision for this retelling and to support us in creating the series. And we expressed how we expressed how excited we were for the opportunity to be at the helm. Unfortunately, things did not go as we had hoped. Look, things happen. Productions are challenging. Unforeseen events arise. Plans have to change. I took some advice from Uncle Iroh. I looked inward and started asking myself the big question. Who are you and what do you want? I realized I couldn't control the creative direction of the series, but I could control how I responded. So I chose to leave the project. I was, it was the hardest professional decision I've ever had to make, and certainly not one I took lightly, but it was necessary for my happiness and creative integrity. And who knows, Netflix's live-action adaptation of Avatar has the potential to be good. It might turn out to be a show many of you end up enjoying, but I, what I can be certain about is whatever ver- version ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I had envisioned or intended to make. I also want to be very clear, this, this doesn't mean the end of my involvement in the Avatar universe. Um, writing this letter has left me very with a very heavy heart. I know many of you will be disappointed and frustra- frustrated by this news. I get it. I share your disappointment and frustration. I also recognize this creative setback is small compared to the problems we're all facing as a society right now. Um, so yeah, basically... Um, that's, that's kind of the main the main bit of the uh, the open that he did. As I say, I sort of did shorten that quite a bit. It's pretty long, but yeah, it's just sad. It seems Netflix had all this promise and you know vision of saying yes, we're going to keep with the show creators. We want to make this as true to the original source as it was, or you know the the vision they had, and it's not gone that way at all. So yeah, I'm really disappointed by this. I'm a massive Avatar fan. I actually bought the box set the other day um, on DVD, um, which I did show on the show, but. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm now dubious about this. I mean, I, I subscribe to Netflix anyway, so I will probably maybe check it out when it comes out. But I'm now more dubious and a bit disheartened by the news, actually. It's, it's kind of sad that this has kind of happened. What, what do you guys think? Are you guys fans of the show? or I um, had a one of my favorite classes was a screenwriting class um, in college. And the teach the professor of it, he had written multiple things had sent them off and a lot of them actually did get made into movies and everything. Uh, he was on the set for one of them 
and he said, the biggest tip I can give you as a writer, do not go to the set of the movie you wrote the story for, because it will not wow. turn into anything that you originally envisioned, and you will just watch your image, or not your image, you'll watch your uh, idea going opposite, you know, different directions. It's just not going to, you know, it's not going to turn out what it was. I mean, and that can be said for anything that is a book first gets turned into a movie, but things like that. So uh, it's not totally surprising that they're backing out of this and in, in, to me anyway. Um, Cause yeah, it's, you never see. Yeah. Just like what my professor said, you'll never see it completely be, Unless you're the unless you're an insane person and you directed star wrote the thing like produce everything <laughs> that's the only way it's gonna hundred percent be what you want which sometimes is not what is popular but who cares so yeah I, I've got a response to that but I'll let Chris go first um, if if, if his mic's not muted again. Yeah, my mic is muted. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that whenever these movie studios, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Disney, whether it's Sony, whoever, whenever they buy a franchise um, and they kind of inherit inherit the original creators of that, they really don't give a shit what these guys say. They, they don't care. Um, they are going to have their own plan for how they're going to go about doing this. Maybe... You know, I, I think sometimes it's 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 for kind of like the public service thing that they're like, yeah, we're bringing these new creators and stuff. And that works so long as those new creators kind of go along with whatever that studio has um, intended for uh, that new franchise to go. Uh, case in point, when Disney bought Star Wars, um, <laughs> they made this huge deal about how they're going to work with George Lucas and they're going to attain his vision and all this other stuff. That lasted for like a few months when they actually got into uh, real like pre-production and stuff for that first uh, Disney Star Wars movie. Um, and now like George Lucas, he has no say in what's happening in Star Wars these days. So if George Lucas, the guy who invented Star Wars, doesn't have the clout in Hollywood to essentially, you know, have his say in how his creation goes forward, no one's going to have it. Because if George Lucas can't, these dudes that created Avatar surely aren't going to strong arm Netflix producers and writers and, and you know, like um, lead people to to where this, you know, animated series is going to go. So I think they probably knew the writing was on the wall a long time before they announced this and before they decided to make this decision. Uh, and I think this is just the way it goes a lot in Hollywood where, you know, these new creators, they still want to stay attached to it. But um, that is only going to last so long as um, they can go along with the studio and mm -hmm. do what the studio wants. So my response to this is, yes, that that's what usually happens and everything. But more often than not, that's based on like books or like comic books or something that had been trans transformed into TV or film for the very first time. This is a very successful TV show that's already happened. Um, it was in cartoon oh, right. form, yeah. and they're basically making it into live action. It like so it had like really good uh, viewing figures apparently, according to like the stats when it was on Nickelodeon and stuff. It won tons of awards. It was nominated for even more awards. Um, it. Just for an example, I know this doesn't really mean anything in the real world, but apparently it's actually got 100% uh, user reviews on Rotten Tomatoes to show that 
you know, the fans do love this. You've got something that's already amazing in place. Why not use that? Like you've, it almost makes no sense to change it so much. Um, uh, th- granted, though, we haven't seen this yet. They might be doing things that make it even better, which the creators maybe think, oh, we're not sure about this. We don't know. It seems insane to me that you wouldn't lean on what's already been proven to be their success, you know? Like, if, if they're just writers who've written a book and like, you're like, look, books don't really work in the movie world. You do have to change things. Like, I mean, take Harry Potter, for example, there's loads more stuff in the books and stuff that aren't don't translate into the movies, but sometimes you can see why they had to do that. They can't tell a whole book in a movie. That makes sense. This is a TV show. They've had it as a TV show before. It works. So yeah, for me, this is one of those frustrating things. So I don't know. I we're still yet to see. It could end up being actually right. a magical show, which we all love. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't think this is quite the same as other things that have happened in the past. Even more emphasis, though, there's also been a movie that didn't do well. So they also, not only do they have examples of what will succeed, they have an example of what will not succeed. So there's almost (laughs) no reason this show should not be good, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got, Uh, yeah, exactly. Perfect point. Yeah. Where they went away from, like, the original source and it was terrible. (laughs) God God damn it. (sighs) I mean, hopefully it's going to be good. Um this yeah. whole idea that we're talking about, like how it's not a big surprise and stuff, a movie that's related to this idea overall is called The TV Set. Have you guys ever seen that? It has uh, Sigourney, we- eh. it has Sigourney Weaver <laughs> and David Duchovny in it. Um, oh, pretty okay. good movie. Yeah, it's from uh, like 2006 or something. It's called The TV Set, if you can find it. Okay. Um, so is, that, so is that about... Um, and so, uh, David Duchovny plays a writer, and Sigourney Weaver is the head of this TV studio. He wants to turn his idea into a TV series, and he watches it just – he just watches that happen. I'll say that okay. much. Um, so it's have, pretty good. That kind, of, that kind of reminds me of – have you ever heard of the show called Episodes with no. Matt LeBlanc? Matt LeBlanc's the main star. He plays himself like a really bad oh. asshole version of himself. Mm-hmm. But it's basically about these British TV scriptwriters – um, who've written a successful TV show in England. Because you know how like certain TV shows get translated to America? Like like The Office started as a British show. It got translated across and stuff. It's kind of like they wrote this really successful, popular show that lasted for like two seasons in the UK. And then this American studio goes, come over to us. We want to we want to do it in America. We just have American actors and like set it in like an American situation. But you guys, you guys are the writers and stuff. And yeah, it's basically the same thing. They're like hmm. every single decision they like, yeah, they're like, oh, we love this. This is a great idea. It's amazing. It's amazing. And when it comes to the day of it, it's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this instead. And like, hmm. but they're kind of, they're kind of stuck in a contract and they kind of have to be there and sort of give right. advice still. And they're like, oh, it's all good. And Matt LeBlanc basically plays play, this like really asshole version of himself. He's like, okay. it's I really, it's really, it's now. a comedy. It's really funny. They did four seasons of it i think and it finished and it had quite a good ending to it, actually i thought um they wrapped it up quite nicely nice. but yeah that's yeah <laughs> oh it's so funny um yeah stuff. so that's that's the that's the sad news of that um mm-hmm. and scotty what is what is your news this week yeah i got i got video game related news surprisingly Ooh, um excellent tony hawk's pro skater one and two we're continuing the news with that just like we were with halo but uh, it changes an ableist trick name. So if you guys are familiar with the mute, mute grab, um, Tony Hawk posted about this on his Instagram. Oh, my God. Uh, Instagram. Instagram with the kids on there. Um, so anyway, the mute air or the mute grab. 
<clears throat> here is the backstory. I'm just going to read Tony Hawk's Instagram post because I feel like it sums it up pre- pretty decently here. For nearly 40 years, we've shamelessly referred to this trick as the mute air grab. Here's the backstory. Around 1981, a deaf skater and Colt... Colton Skate Park local named Chris Weddle uh, was a prominent amateur on the competition circuit. The Indie Air had just been created and named, so somebody proposed that grabbing with the front hand should be known as the Tracker Air. Others countered that Chris was the first to do it, so it should be named after him. They referred to him as the, quote, quiet mute guy, so it became known as the Mute Air. And we all went along with it in our naive youth. In recent years, a few people have reached out to Chris, who still skates, about this trick and the name it was given. He has been very gracious in his response, but it is uh, obvious that a different name would have honored his legacy as he is deaf but not lacking speech. I asked him, excuse me, I asked him last year as I was diving into trick origins, and he said he would have rather named it the deaf or Weddle grab if given the choice. His exact quote to me was, I am deaf, not mute. So as we embark on the upcoming Tony Hawk game demo release, some of you might notice a trick name change, the Weddle grab. It's going to be challenging to break the habit of saying the old name, but I think Chris deserves the recognition. Uh, And then, um, oh, thanks to Derek Delio for being a great advocate of the deaf community in action sports, for being the catalyst and renaming process. I told Chris recently, and his reply was, I'm so stoked. And then he shot this photo in celebration yesterday, and there's a uh, a photo of him doing the mute grab uh, error. So that's really fucking cool. Um, that is cool. That and the fact that they do have a transgender skater in the game as well. Uh, just shows. I, I brought I brought this article up. This isn't really. This is like barely an article. It's just a post, and everybody's loving it. Um, because there's so much shit going on in the games industry and entertainment. Everybody is coming out and saying how shitty people have been. Um, not just with women, but with everybody. And I just thought like this is a rare good thing that's happening in video games like progressive and proactive and i think it's really cool and as if i wasn't already buying this game day one i'm definitely excited to snag it so what do you guys think about that i know you're not super into skateboarding and everything but uh, yeah i mean i'm not um a massive tony hawk the game fan but yeah this is awesome i mean this is brilliant it's this uh, i guess it's like a tricky tricky area subject to talk about it's like one of those things though to me it just seems like in the past, they, they were trying to honor him, but they did it in the wrong way. Like yeah. they didn't like speak to him about it originally, and they just sort of came up with this name, which they thought, oh, that's it's, it's the mute thing, and it's the mute guy, even though he wasn't mute. And mm-hmm. but I think it's really good that they're, they're almost. I mean, it, there are worse, worse hardships in the world and everything, but I think for for this little thing, it's just a nice, it's a nice little touch on, um, almost trying to trying to, uh, repair or you know. Uh, I, I can't get the word out like um to to fix a mistake they've made basically you know just, yeah. we've done we we screwed up we did this wrong we named it wrong we want to honor this guy properly he was the first guy to do it so we're, we're changing the name and i think that's really good i think that's really cool um yeah beautiful brilliant very happy with that do you have any thoughts on that chris no i thought it was pretty neat i, I did actually come across this uh earlier in the week i don't know if it was on reddit or twitter or something but i did see that i thought it was a pretty cool move so cool to see ah, i see yeah. what you did there <laughs> what did i do pretty cool move it's a skate move that they renamed ah well I, that was on x <laughs> i wish i could take credit for that one yeah so it's pretty neat because it and and the fact that it's being updated in a game is you know it's safe for posterity there so it's you know 
uh, not forgotten about. It's not like, oh, in this one video we did, it's called this instead of this. No, it's like, get it. if anyone has the power to change the name of a skateboarding trick, it is Tony Hawk. So, yeah. right. Yeah. 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 And this game is, is this game is so big in that community that once right. it you know gets stuck in this, I'm sure it'll it'll travel you know across skate parks and. That's cool. Yeah. Cool stuff. And it, I think it's also one other slight, slightly interesting thing is it's just interesting where names of these things actually came from. Like, um, yeah. I had no idea that's where, because I've heard of the new crap before, but I actually didn't know it was because of that reason. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just kind of interesting. It's yeah. crazy to think about stuff like this only recently being invented, too. Like, just thinking about skateboarding moves when they're invented, which was only back in the 80s, and that's not that long ago. Um, yeah. That's just that's something I've thought about because I watched Tony Hawk videos a lot and like him i could i could listen to that man explain how to make ramen soup like he's i don't know (laughs) it's hypnotizing somehow but yeah tony hawk's a good guy it's gonna be a good game grab that game support one of the good good things out there excellent and that brings it that's your bit and that brings us the end of the news perfect um so we will take another quick break and we'll be right back I want to let you guys know that Megavisions has a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Megavisions. And when you're there, you can choose to uh, get either a physical or digital issue of the magazine. Uh, We ship uh, worldwide, so you can get one wherever you live. And if you subscribe to the physical edition, you automatically receive the digital issue uh, as well. And we only charge your account when we're actually ready to ship an issue. So you don't have to worry about getting uh, random charges that you don't understand why they're coming your way. We are uh, very clear and we let everyone know uh, like the weeks leading up to when we're actually going to charge everyone's account. So uh, anyway, please go check it out. Uh, like I said, it's uh, www.patreon.com slash megavisions. Hey there, welcome back everybody, and we're now moving on to the Picks of the Week, uh, where we talk about any movies, TV shows, or games that we've been playing or watching, and we think you guys, the listeners, the audience, you know, the viewers, you might be interested in watching, listening, or playing these things as well. So, without further ado, Chris, what is your Pick of the Week? So, like I talked about earlier in the show, uh, I've been watching lots of Candyman, Uh, so uh, my Pick of the Week is... Man, I it's I, I guess the C- Candyman trilogy, man. Um, I, I've watched them all. Uh, like I said, the first one I think is is genuinely a very good horror movie. Um, it's essentially it's about. Uh, you sh- are, you, are you you said you're not very familiar with Candyman, right, Graham? Yeah, I don't mean no anything about it's it. It's basically uh, about this this. It's an urban legend about this guy who was the son of a slave. Uh, he was an artist. Uh, back in like the 1800s and this uh, local like politician or landowner was really wealthy um, hired him to come and paint a uh, a, like a portrait of his daughter and uh, him uh, Daniel uh, Robitaille and that guy's daughter ended up like falling in love he impregnated her 
And once the uh, father found out, he basically got a posse and uh, captured him. They took him out to this, you know, uh, you know, like field, uh, cut off his arm, and basically started torturing him, and then covered him in bees. And these bees came and stung oh. him to death. And so he's basically become like a curse, where he now goes and uh, anyone who says Candyman five times in front of a mirror, you basically summon him. It's kind of like Bloody Mary. And so he's haunting this like small community in Chicago and uh, it's like this urban legend. And it's this like, these people live in fear of the candy man inside the small community. And there's this uh, woman who is uh, studying like urban legends and stuff in college. And she finds out about it and she starts going to this area and like trying to learn more about um, the candy man and uncover the kind of uh, the legend and, and stuff like that. And turns out candy man's actually real. And, starts killing lots of people and it's crazy this movie was so scary to me when i was a kid i remember watching this quite a bit growing up and i man we were so scared that when we had sleepovers and stuff we would dare someone would always get dared to say Candyman in the mirror five times to see what would happen but uh <laughs> we would do the same thing with like bloody mary and stuff yeah. and uh what it was, was always mary a lot thing? of fun what was that supposed to do you stand in front of a mirror and say Bloody Mary like three or five times. She's dead or something? She, 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 she would appear, wouldn't she? Or come yeah, she would appear. Oh, yeah. okay. Huh. Basically like, the same the same concept. I feel like you had to do it at the bottom of the stairs or something, and she'd appear at the top of the stairs, and then she'd slowly walk down each step. That was it was always a mirror idea. for us. It was always a mirror. For some reason. It, it, it's like it was, overall the less fun mirror, version of Beetlejuice. see her in the mirror at the oh. top of the stairs. Sorry, there was lag. Oh, so yeah. the um, so yeah, that, the thing is though, the Candyman has to have his like flock of people believe in him, so he kind of, like mm. continually terrorizes them. That's where he draws his energy and power from, okay. and so he starts targeting this woman who is like looking into the actual real life crimes and stuff that took place, and she's trying to figure out like if this stuff actually happened from Candyman or if there was like a, just a, a a like a normal reason for why these happen stuff. Okay. Um, and so that's how Candyman starts targeting her because uh, she's basically making people stop believing in him. And uh, the second film came out like uh, I think Candyman came out in like ninety two, ninety one, something around mm -hmm. there. The the second one came out in ninety five. Um, had a much smaller budget, still a theatrical release, uh, but it was just not as good at all. They recast pretty much everyone but Tony Todd, who plays Candyman, uh, and they. They instead they moved it from Chicago to New Orleans, like during Mardi Gras or like right leading up to Mardi Gras, and I think okay. that's actually a perfectly okay place to do it. I think New Orleans and Mardi Gras have this like really neat, uh, uh, just kind of uh, culture and mood, and I think it fits perfectly inside a horror movie. Uh, the thing that so he was like in the in the first one he was basically like focused on like the an inner city like uh black community is basically what he was and it was very unique to the black community it was Candyman. Uh and so the second one was down based in uh New Orleans and it was kind of the same thing. He was you know, all the black community knew who Candyman was. And so you feel like it was this urban legend that kind of travels around the United States, like a lot of uh urban legends do. Um, especially like pre-internet days and things like that. So 
The second one, I think where they set it up was fine. It it did some good stuff, uh, but it just ultimately kind of fell flat. Like it just, the, the way that they, the original creator wanted to basically make Candyman into this more uh, aristocratic uh, individual and basically make him kind of like the Dracula for the black community, uh, which could have been really cool. Like he would be this, um, very well spoken, uh, intelligent, and uh, very like skillful uh, person that you know kills for a reason. He's not just a slasher. Uh, but the movie studio wanted to go forward with the idea that he is the son of a slave and um, he wasn't from wealth and stuff, which is hmm. weird because Tony Todd himself is a very well spoken uh person and even his portrayal of Candyman, he's very well spoken he comes from like theater and stuff he's done like lots of serious roles and so i thought that was uh, a mistake on the theater's part i would have loved to see them go the other way uh with the original creator's idea of of making him more i guess aristocratic um then the third film was released i think in 99 um which is funny because we made a lot of um jokes about this uh this one got really straight to dvd but we went through the list of all the other movies that released in 1999 and holy crap there's a ton of really good stuff i i don't blame wow. the, the the studio for choosing to just push this on uh, straight to dvd because man there's stuff like uh uh the matrix yeah. Blair witch <laughs> project right, uh right. varsity blues uh um american pie like lots of just from all genres, they're big hitters, and so this one would have got killed if it if it actually came to theaters. Did, was yeah, the ring out ninety nine? I think. What's that? Was the ring out in ninety nine? I'm trying to remember. I I don't think it was. I, I no, that was like two thousand and two. I think. Oh yeah, because it was I saw it on the plane. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, I sort of think into Australia. So, so as I was uh, saying, in the first two movies, like he's primarily uh, focused on you know the black community, but in the third movie, uh, the third it it's it gets really weird. Uh, so the end of the second movie basically tells you that Candyman is now trying to find the the woman that he fell in love with. He's basically trying to find uh, like whoever is left in her family, and it happens to be this like young white blonde woman who looks kind of like the Caroline who he f first fell in love with, but it's like her great granddaughter. Okay. And he, so he's trying to get her to basically um, agree to die essentially and live with Candyman for the rest of his life. Wow. Her life or in the afterlife, whatever. Weird. So this, okay. the, so that's what's established in the second film. The third film is basically uh, stars Donna Dierico, uh from like Baywatch nights. Um, and what? she plays the 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 main character's daughter in from the the second film, like the the woman okay. in the second film. She has a daughter at the end. That's Donna Dierko in this one, in like present day. Um, but they move it to East LA, and <laughs> the the community that he's now terrorizing is like the Hispanic community, and in East LA, and he's killing a bunch of white people. It's just it's all over the place. There's no consistency. Uh, and the third one is is just a mess. Um, and if if you want to watch a really cool underrated horror flick, I definitely recommend the first Candyman because I think it holds up today really, really well. Well, um, really and then Jordan uh, Peele is making a new version of Candyman uh, coming, I think, next Ooh. year. 
and I'm very excited about that. I think he's going to, he's the perfect person to kind of resurrect Candyman. I, I think he's going to pay the proper respects uh, to, to Candyman and what uh, this series and those movies mean to the black community um, because I think it, it is a big deal to them. And I think that um, they deserve to have this cool horror character of their own. Uh, and I would like to see that. So I'm really looking forward to Jordan Peele's new Candyman movie. You uh, cool. mentioned CGI in your in the outline oh, here. What CGI yeah. was there? Was it just like okay. mirror stuff, like coming through the mirror or something? So in the second movie, have you ever seen the second film? I, I haven't seen it. The Candyman. I think I feel like Candyman was out of my radar because it just wasn't in the eighties. If that makes right. sense, you yeah. know, just because that was you horror. Did, I definitely suggest because the first one is essentially a slasher film, um, okay. and it feels very much in the eighties. But um, nice. This, there's CGI at the end of the second one when um, he dies. He essentially like turns to glass and like shatters and just like flies all over the place. That's but true. it looks like almost like a CGI render from the PlayStation days, like PS One <laughs> era. Like it just looks really bad. Like imagine, like Johnny so, I don't know. Yeah, just like they have nice. this really bad CGI and stuff. It's it's terrible. It was laughably bad. Oh, My I wife and wait. I were watching it. And we actually laughed out loud. Um, <laughs> and the CGI actually in three, the, thir the third movie must have had a m much lower budget. Um, granted, it did come out like three or four years later, but the CGI in as for the, like the kill moment in the in uh, in the third movie was much better. It looked mm. way better. Um, so it wasn't great, but I'm t I'm saying like 1995, and you're putting CGI uh, in your movies. Um, there's much better CGI happening back Yeesh. then. Yeah. Right. So. Wow. Okay. Nice. So yeah. So long story short, watch Candyman one. Um, <laughs> but if you're if you're in the mood to watch some crappy uh, horror movies, uh, Candyman two and three actually there's some fun to be had. I don't want to crap all them all together. There's some cool stuff that they do. Um, and Tony Todd's awesome, man. I I would watch these all the whole trilogy for him alone. Um, even if he has bad dialogue and a bad script to work with. He's still like, is fully committed to the Candyman character. And he is just super creepy. I love it. Apparently the first one's on Netflix, but I don't Ooh. know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to check in real I time. Think you because... can watch all of them. Um, free at some point. Candyman three is on Roku. So you have to actually like watch it through your browser. Or if yeah. you have an Amazon fire, um, you can watch it through your brow your browser oh. or on Amazon fire too. Yeah, can the first Candyman's definitely on Netflix right yep, now. I watched it on Netflix. Ooh, Candyman nice two, I think, is available on Pluto or Tubi. And okay. Candyman three is on Roku. So you basically everyone if as long as you have a Netflix account, you can watch, you know, uh the first one streaming on Netflix and the other two streaming on free uh services right now. So you don't even have to pay any money. Don't pay thirty dollars to Disney to watch Mulan. Watch the <laughs> Candyman trilogy for free, and you got like nine hours of entertainment, baby. It's you know, Chris is excited about promoting uh, something when he ends it with "baby." I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. man, yeah, it's not on the UK Netflix, but they do have oh, Nightmare man. on Elm Street. So that's hey, the same thing. But I want great. you to, Graham. I want you to do something. Do you have like a mirror or something shiny? Go okay. Look at that. Look at that monitor to your left, guys. Go over there. A mirror behind me. 
Go okay, Scotty. Go over to it and look in the mirror. And I want you to say Candyman five times. Candyman five. Ow, fuck. Oh, five times. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, Real time action. If If I die, die. hey, the numbers will skyrocket. Candyman. 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 Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. You summoned them. All right, yeah, well, we'll uh, see yeah, what happens. You and Rachel are fucked now. Keep an eye yeah, on that he's, mirror. He's got to go on Google Maps and find where you are right now. He's in, like, yeah. Los Angeles or New Orleans at the moment. He's going to drive oh, right. to you. He's, he's got to catch a, a flight first. first. Well, I mean, it's a lot, you know, with, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's, you know, it may take a while. Uh, <laughs> he's, not, he's not flying these days anymore. <laughs> he doesn't <sighs> use... I imagine if he were an anime that he would just teleport... Or not teleport... He would travel on a carpet made of bees... That would be his like Goku on. He actually does. He does. He does travel <laughs> by bees in in uh, movie three. He does do that. Man, and it's a ter- it, yeah. I'm happens. totally serious. Down like a subway tunnel, but it looks like he's just <laughs> sitting on like a chair that they green screened out. Like because <laughs> he's not moving at all, and it just shows kind of like his waist up. But he looks like he's just kind of sitting down on something. Fantastic. It's bad. It is bad. It's so funny. Okay. Wow, Scotty, what is what is yeah. your pick of the week? Um, totally different direction. Uh, I want to recommend everybody check out Alex Alex Melton on YouTube, uh, mainly because he has he's a musician. He does fen- he has original work, but he does phenomenal covers. Um, what threw him into my radar was his country version of Panic at the Disco's song, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies, which is renamed I Write Sins, Not Tractors by Panic at the Square Dance. Uh, But it is like hypnotizingly good how he turns these pop punk songs into country. Uh, He did with I Miss You by Blink, which he calls I Miss Y'all. And then uh, another one with some 41s into deep, but he does amazing pop punk covers of also post Malone. There's a, he's got a whole post Malone EP and a lot of Taylor Swift songs as well, but just like he was my, for two days out of two days out of this past week, he was my background music for work like the entire day. Um, he okay. is very good. I think he has a, uh, he, he's a producer down in South Carolina, I believe. Um, but yeah, just watch, watch one of his country covers and you're just like, damn, this works. And it's scary. Like I was watching them and I'm like, do I like country now? Is that what's happening? Cause I don't think I do. Um, so yeah, just like his, his country covers, he does different versions of things like as other artists too, but his post Malone covers are really good. Post Malone's a hip hop artist. He takes them and turns them into pop punk. Uh, Taylor Swift. Most of us know Taylor Swift, like, uh, his, um, I wasn't a big fan of her single "Look What You Made Me Do" because the chorus is so yeah. boring. That's, but he yeah. somehow makes it catchier and more fun with this post, okay. with this pop punk version. So I'll, I'll so, put a link so to he, one of his videos. Hmm? So he does country versions of pop punk songs, but he does pop punk versions of like pop and sort of yeah, hip-hop. like pop rock and hip hop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's got okay. he's okay. he's a very talented individual. He's all over the wow. place with with some stuff. He did one cover of a song that was using nothing but stuff found in the kitchen um, as instruments, <laughs> aside from having a guitar, but also just like acoustic uh, um, uh, percussive stuff, like using bottles and uh tapping on the sink uh what's it called spigot things like that uh so yeah alex melton very talented musician 
Um, I recommend checking them out on YouTube because you can see the the Panic at the Disco one actually has like little subtitles going up throughout the and i've totally been in these situations where he's like okay everybody's got boot cut jeans and uh there <laughs> it's just miller light everywhere so i don't know any country i'm gonna turn a song in the country kind of kind of like the the gig in blues brothers if you've seen that oh we play yeah we play all kinds of music here we play everything country and western oh yeah we're the good old boys <laughs> we're gonna go set up you know <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Alex brilliant. Mountain, so, very talented. Yeah, brilliant. Perfect. Cool. What about you, Graham? So my, my pick of the week, uh, as I sort of mentioned earlier, was uh, oh, I forgot to grab the box. Never mind. Chris has the box. He showed the box earlier. The box of control. Sorry, the oh, game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my pick of the week <laughs> is, and I forgot to bring the box, is Control on Xbox One, which is also available on PS4 and PC. Um, yeah, so if you don't, if you weren't watching the show or listening to the show last week, Chris mentioned uh, a bit of news about this game being tied in with the Adam Wake um, uh, series uh, with the new expansions coming out for it, and that really piqued my interest because I love Adam Wake, and for some reason I'd never even heard of this game, and so I bought it on, on the very day that we were recording, and it arrived a few days ago, and I popped in my Xbox, and I have played many hours on it already um and i i love it i i think it's a brilliant game it came out in 2019 so it's been out for a while you can get it reasonably cheap i got one for 20 pounds so that's about half the price of a or less than half the price of a the normal brand new xbox game mm-hmm. um and yeah it really reminds if you're a fan of adam wake uh this does actually really remind me of it in, in the sort of in the combat and the way you're shooting and stuff and the way you look over the shoulder the camera work but also the um the styling of it and the uh the, the eeriness about it so alan wake if you don't know it has a lot of creepy factors to it i will say alan wake is a scarier game though like i find mm. i found the enemies a yeah. lot scarier and some of the situations scarier um there are some creepy stuff bits in this and um the whole premise from this is just from like basically when you first start the game is you are in this big building called the Fed, federal bureau of control it's a bit like the fbi but it's of control and they sort of work with paranormal type stuff. And you enter this building and there's no one in here except for a janitor who's really creepy. Um, and you don't really know, you don't really know much about your main character who's this woman called Jessie. Um, but basically she, for this weird situation, she basically becomes the new head of control. Um, and this is like in the first, like, three minutes of the game basically so she becomes the new head for some series of events and she doesn't really know what's going on but she's there's something about her backstory she's trying to investigate the federal bureau of control as well because it's tied with her history um there's lots of creepy paranormal stuff in it but basically this entity has basically taken over the the whole building there's some people who have managed to not be taken over because they're wearing these special packs that one of their scientists made for some a handful of people um so it's up to you to, and you're not affected. So it's up to you to sort of go around and try and free, like, or work out what's happening, and also try and like free the 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 building from control of this. They call it the hiss because it makes a weird hissing sound. Um, but it's taking over the bodies of like most of the people there. So you're getting attacked by employees of control, but they're all possessed and stuff. Um, so again, a bit like Adam Wake in the way that Adam Wake, the people kind of uh, possessed by the sort of shadow, as it were. Um, they like turn into these short shadowy people. Um, it's really cool. And tying back to last week's show when Chris was talking about the expansion pack, I'm not 100% sure, but it feels like when they first started making this game, 
they did plan to tie it in with Alan Wake. Uh, because as I say, the, the gameplay style is very similar. But there's a couple of bits where they sort of mention hints of, if, if you if you didn't know about Alan Wake, you probably wouldn't even think about this. But now that I know that Alan Wake's coming out, there's a couple of bits. Um, so near the start, um, there's, there's, this, there's this weird bit when you go to this motel and basically to go, you go into this motel to access another area of the building. But it's like another, it's almost in another dimension. You sort of get teleported there. And they've got all these rooms which are locked off except for one room, which gives you access to get to the other part of the bureau. But this lady sort of mentions about the motel, says, isn't it strange that there's only one door you can access? Like, I I think she's talking about how it's in another plane of existence and she reckons it ties into other parallel worlds or other dimensions. So I feel like that is like almost the intro to Alan Wake for the expansion pack. Um, And the motel itself feels like something very much out of Alan Wake. Um, The game is a little bit different to Alan Wake, though, because you kind of you it's almost like you've got Jedi powers. So as you progress through the game, you pick up these different abilities um, so you can um, like pick up um, pick up objects and throw them at people. You can even pick up chunks of the floor and throw them at people. Um, In fact, that's one of the cool things I love about this game was the environment. They're not completely destructible, but a lot of it is. And it makes the actual fighting scenes really awesome so it's, do you remember the scene in the matrix at the end you know when they're in these sort of big the the they go into that building with the the pillars and stuff and they have a massive gunfight and like yeah. the pillars like shattering and stuff that sort of shit happens in this game like you'll be hiding behind cover and like the the cover's getting chipped away and someone will like throw a bomb and like the cover will just explode and it doesn't disappear it actually stays there and you, then you can use your powers to lift up that rubble and just start throwing it at people and stuff okay um you can pick up chunks off the floor and you actually see parts of the floor like rip off and stuff so you can't completely destroy the building but most of the environment is destructible and it makes it really fun and really intense and um each floor is the way they've the way they've made the game essentially is each floor is open with no loading times and stuff so if you destroy a room in, in one of the floors and you go back to it it's still destroyed but if you load up to the next level then come back again it has reset itself. Hmm. Um, I guess that's just the limitations of technology and stuff. But it's really awesome that you can be walking around. The, the floors, by the way, are massive. They're huge. They're big, sprawling environments. And it's kind of a bit like Resident Evil or like Metroidvania or like Dark Souls games where you have a small portion of the the world that you're in effectively and you sort of make your way through and then eventually you unlock a, a shortcut back and it, basically all the the rooms and corridors and stuff are kind of connected to make it easier to get back and through the level and stuff like you find an elevator which suddenly takes you up to like the third floor which you know you've got access to that um but it's really cool and i'm i'm really loving it as i say it's not quite as scary as alan wake but there are some really creepy stuff um there's like this big scary bird thing which freaked the hell out makes it kind of appears <laughs> and then disappears and when it appears it has this weird explosion which really hurts you and you have like a split second where it's like weird and it's like ah and it's like explodes <laughs> and um they're really hard to kill as well um and yeah, I'm I'm just enjoying it. I think there's they sort of have missions as you're progressing. Like, so do this mission to do this, and you got sort of side missions which you don't have to do, but it helps if you do them. And occasionally they have these like uh, timed missions where it will pop up saying like a, a bureau emergency, go to this area within 20 minutes and kill the enemies there, and you basically get loads of extra extra experience points, um, which I've done about 10 of them. 
and I failed all but two of them because I keep either dying or I there's one the one that we have to protect some of the troops that are on your side and I they keep dying and I'm like oh god damn it so I keep failing them so you can actually fail those side missions which uh, mm. is annoying but I really like it and it's, can you can't you, you can't them? replay them oh no <laughs> but they do sometimes come back I've found like I've uh, after huh. like after a few after a few happened one came back which seemed very similar and basically it was the same thing in the same areas so I think it was the same mission. Um, but that's but you have to you have to get there within a set time and finish it within that set time if that makes sense um interesting and sometimes because it's so sprawling you do have teleporting areas we unlock these teleporting areas to get around the building a bit quicker but if you forget where something is you kind of yeah it's um but i'm really enjoying it there's one annoyance i have with it though is that you've got this gun which is really cool and the gun looks really awesome actually like parts of it like move around and stuff as you shoot and you can upgrade it to change it into different forms. So you've got like a normal pistol mode, then you get like a shotgun mode, you get like a um a rail gun mode, and you get like a machine gun mode. It's like all this little hand pistol but like parts of it move and stuff. But basically when you're when you're beginning the game, you've just got the hand the handgun mode and you press X to reload it. It uses like it's, it doesn't really use bullets, it uses energy. So if you wait a few seconds it will recharge. But if you're in a frantic moment before it runs out of energy, you press reload and you'll reload it really quickly. The problem is when you up, unlock the ability to have a second weapon, so you can have you can have basically two versions of your weapon at the same time. Um, X is also the button to change your weapon, which is just bizarre. Like, so there've been times I've been in action. I'm like, shit, I'm running really low. I'm gonna press X to reload, and suddenly my gun has changed from like a long range shooting pistol or, or machine gun into a shotgun mode <laughs> and i was like no it's not the gun i want it's just like really yeah. frantic like sit back. it's do very quick to, like, to switch tap it can... quick to do one or the not... other or something not as far as i can tell it just it just seems to just press it and it'll she'll reload Man. or she'll change so sometimes that's she will like... reload that's um, like it's, San- sonic it's... adventure issues that shouldn't be happening in 2020 <laughs> for video games you know yeah I know, and that's one thing that's really annoyed me about the game. It's not, it's not okay, it hasn't really annoyed me. It hasn't ruined the game for me, because she will, as I say, it the gun It takes you out reload. for a split second, though. It, it does, so yeah, I really have to flow. get used to that. Yeah. So yeah, um, and something I love about it is the puzzles. There are areas where there are puzzles you have to solve, which they mm. do not give you any hand-holding on, which I really like. The, the, mo- the most hand-holding is someone might sort of go, oh, you need to just check this out, which mm-hmm. they don't really tell you what to do, so there's like a puzzle with you got to match up these uh, cards with like on the right computers and stuff, but you don't know what the computers are. And you have to look at these boards on like whiteboards around the room. It's like a laboratory laboratory um, area. And they, they, yeah, so there's like, they're no, there's not, they're not highlighted or anything. They're just parts of the scenery. And then as you're walking around, it's like, Oh wait, these correlate to this. And so there, there's some hmm. really cool puzzles. We, they don't handhold you for but it's really really work stuff out and yeah i'm really enjoying it um yeah i i i I, thank you chris for mentioning it i feel i feel bad now because i have something really bad to say about the game and it's 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 it's, it's, there is news about it so yeah um if you need another reason why you should never buy a game um right when it comes out i've got some news for you so the publisher uh five of white games for control announced uh, this past week that they are going to be coming out with Control Ultimate Edition uh, (laughs) on August 27th, which is about 11 days from now. Um, It's going to cost 40 bucks, but you'll get uh, 
you'll get basically a free upgrade to next gen consoles. So you won't have to rebuy the game again. You'll you'll go ahead and have it when the PS5 and Xbox uh, the the Series X comes out. You'll be able to download it and it'll have it'll play better and do all this stuff. Uh, but the one thing is, is that that's only for the Ultimate Edition. So uh, if you bought if you bought Control at launch or new at retail. That's not going to get it for you. So you're essentially going to have to you, – you spent the the initial money to buy the game. Then you have to buy $25 for the season pass to be able to get Awe, which is coming out um, you know, next week or coming out very soon too, which is – that's the expansion that's going to tie in uh, um, uh, the other games Alan and stuff. Uh, Alan Wake, exactly. Thank you. Experience um, or something. Um, but then uh, – you're going to, you know, yeah. So you basically, if you bought $60 at the game at launch, then 25 for the season pass, and then you're going to have to spend another 40 just to be able to get the game on next-gen consoles. It's basically $125 that you have to invest in just to be able to play this game, like, on next-gen consoles. Now, here's the thing. If you've bought the game already and you've got the expansion packs, do you need to buy next-gen consoles? Like, Well, I mean, not if you don't want an Xbox One or a Series X or... A but, PS5, you don't have to buy them. I mean, you can buy the console, but you don't need to buy the game again necessarily if you've enjoyed well, the game and you finished it. Unless they're planning on like doing ten years worth of. They did lay out a roadmap for this and where the DLC is going and everything when it came out. Though it's also Jesus. going to just play better. You know, it's gonna it's it's it's, it's going to have upgraded resolution. <laughs> oh, it's going to have better frame rate. This, wow, okay, okay, okay but you you say that, but you yet you don't realize gone. that there are it like hundreds of remasters today like that's what our industry is it's basically remasters uh you know amongst other you know halfway original games so we are in a remaster culture like in the game industry that's what we see how many games you know release every day that's a remaster something else so um people like this stuff I feel like this wouldn't be necessarily a remaster for the next gen consoles because it's it's more just it's it's the same game just it just happens to be on slightly more powerful machine, well, more powerful machines, so it will run better. Unless they're somehow really planning on doing some, uh, adding more stuff and enhancing even further, because uh, the game looks great already and it runs perfectly. So I feel like the the visual issue, there's no visual issues, there's no, you know, performance issues with the game. It'd just be a case of you can run the same game on. What are you? Hardware. Are you planning on an Xbox One X? Great. I'm playing on Series Xbox X. One X. Yeah, Series I've heard X. it is almost unplayable on a PS4 launch or an Xbox One base model. Interesting. I will put yeah. it... I've also got an Xbox One base model, which I will. I can test it out in. And let, I can I return, come back to you next week. It doesn't run well, so it's interesting to hear well, you we'll have no problems with it. Well, I I'll play. find out soon enough, because that's what I'll be playing it on. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the only time I've ever seen a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of slowdown is when I pause the game and unpause it, and there's like just a moment, like I'm like in action, so sort of slowly coming back into action but mm-hmm. like it doesn't actually affect the game itself like it that's just the only time i've actually seen any slowdown but yeah i'll mm-hmm. try it on my xbox one and my standard xbox one and see what happens but yeah chris can also report back um, yeah, after it's done installing this weekend for chris <laughs> it's done now i'm oh. i'm dice ready to rock and roll baby wow okay but yeah there we go nice. i that's my that's my pick of the week control as chris will got me to buy it but maybe hold out for the definitive edition if you haven't got it already hey wait a few, wait a couple of weeks get definitive edition there's no it. definitive edition of night trap just you just play it 
three bucks. Yeah. There you go. I think <laughs> I think I, I got my copy for like twenty or thirty dollars though. So I, I'm not. I, I don't feel like I got swindled so much as I would if I was like, "Hey, I want to support Remedy yeah. and buy this game at launch because I think they're an awesome developer." And then their publisher goes off and does something like this. We're um, like, "Yeah, we're going to release a an ultimate edition," but you know, s- sorry, you're out of luck. I would have. It would have been cool to see if like maybe they said like, "Hey, if you bought it at launch." There's like a ten dollar upgrade, whatever you know. Like I yeah, could, right. I could live with that. Um, just as, as long as you're not basically completely shutting them out the door. As, as long as you're giving something back to the people that supported you at launch, that's huge. So, um, I yeah. think this could have been handled much better. Yeah, so, um, um, there are rumors floating around now because the voice actor for Max Payne said something about. Uh, control or something. I forget exactly. So I'm misquoting all over the place. But Remedy made the Max Payne games. What do you guys think about it? Actually, instead of just an Alan Wake universe being a Remedy universe, and somehow Max Payne is involved in Control now. Well, well we we talked about that uh, last week. That that's what they plan on doing we? is having. A, yeah, there's the Remedy is starting their own expanded kind of universe or whatever, where all the games are basically going to tie into themselves, like to this expanded universe. Um, Blackout during that discussion because I don't remember about Max Payne at all. That was hot. That was basically Chris's news last. He didn't mention Max Payne, but yeah, Chris's news last week was it would be the whole Remedy universe. Um, To be honest, I forgot that Max Payne was part of the universe. So awesome, Um, and I'd love to see that. But if you can have the Max Payne like with with the destructible environments and stuff, that'd be amazing. That'd be so much fun in this game. Wasn't that the first game to have bullet time? Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a cancelled Dreamcast game as well. Oh. It was being planned. It, it was planned for the PC and Dreamcast, and it didn't come out mm. in the Dreamcast in the end. Darn and you, Millennium big. Edition of Windows. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway, so, anyway, that is my pick of the week. Go check it out. Um, either buy cheap for $20 or £20, or wait for the definitive edition and get a slightly more enhanced version. And. Yeah, awesome. So that will do it for the picks of the week, and we will be right back after this little break. Hello, and welcome back. We're now moving on to our feature discussion, and as always, we're mixing it up a little bit. And this week, we're actually going to look at a topic called I Thought This Was Going to Suck, um, where we look at games that we were afraid to play or thought we might not enjoy, but when we played them, Actually, they turned out to be pretty damn good. Um, this one's a little bit of a, a special edition, I guess. And Scotty, would you like to uh, let the audience know why? Yeah, coming up in the month of September, we're going to be celebrating this guy, Dreamcast. Uh, okay, nothing's in there. I was afraid there's been a game in there the whole time. But with the Dreamcast Dreamless 24-hour marathon, we are going to be celebrating him. And that will not fall off. He will stay there for the moment. Um <laughs> And so we thought we'd make this a Dreamcast edition. Uh, September 12th, though, again, Dreamcast, Dreamless 24-hour marathon. Play games for 24 hours. One of my favorite parts of that is when we're playing these games and people watching, even people attending, are like, man, how have I missed this? I need to own this or play more of this, or it is insane that this was never on my radar. So last year it was Ill Bleed for Corey. I think Antichrist really dug Gunlord. Um, Previously, people have wanted to get into like the indie games we show off and stuff, so... (laughs) Um, kind of going along with that, 
we're going to incorporate Dreamcast games into this feature. Um, so do you want me to go first with mine? Yes. Okay. So mine uh, was a game that I heard it was supposed to be great. And I got it Christmas when it came out when I was 16. Little Scotty Moe Jr. didn't understand video games when he popped in Shenmue. Uh, because Ooh. I thought this was the dumbest thing in the world as a <laughs> stupid teenager. And was just like, this is boring as hell. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. The controls suck. Fuck this. So I went and played Jet Set Radio or something probably. Jet Grind Radio in the States. Sorry. Um, but then I tried it more recently as an adult and fell in love with it. Um, and I thought it was boring at first, but really the mundane stuff, the daily grind, uh, barely anything happening is actually more entertaining than I thought it would be or that I thought it was as a kid anyway, kind of forcing you to take your time with the game. Um, the, f the first one is known for that. The second one incorporates uh, speed or um, time skipping. What What's the... I'm missing a word here. Um <laughs> But like the weird characters, the awkward conversations, the the, the dumb interactions with people. The, but but then I learned to appreciate it because of how everyone in that world has a routine. They go to get breakfast. They go to walk over to the burger place. They go to the arcade. They go to the bars at night, like stuff like that. Um, and just everything you can do in it. I don't I don't understand how anyone could a hundred could hundred percent either any of the Shenmue game. Um, but I very much appreciate it now as an adult and it blows my mind that more people don't appreciate it. Like I feel they should. Cause it, it still does some stuff that games don't do today. Um, and uh, yeah, Shenmue is very good. A runner up to that I'll mention briefly is a uh, Sega bass fishing. Um, not just Ooh. because it incorporates the fishing rod, but because it's a palate cleanser. Uh, also in the Japanese version, which is get bass. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, uses the fishing rod controller, but honestly, I've probably played that game less than I played soul caliber with a fishing rod controller, but, um, Sega bass fishing, it's like coming from a generation of like bass hunter 64 and, and garbage on the Genesis and whatever, like bass masters 2013 or whatever. That's the wrong year. 1996. I don't know. Um, <laughs> thinking like how's a fishing game fun but sega made it had it it added its arcadia appeal and bass fishing is if you if you want to play something you don't feel like you need to accomplish a lot just sit there zone out maybe put a podcast on or something the most exciting part is like fish on and you have to reel it in or whatever <laughs> so yeah shenmue and sega bass fishing there you go nice what do you guys do you guys have any comments about those or do you want to just jump into yours what do you think uh -oh. I know we could we can we can comment on this I guess as well. Um, yeah, I I I think that both those those both games I can completely understand. Not everyone would appreciate them necessarily straight away, or they'd be hesitant about playing them. Shenmue is one of those games that so many people have sort of hyped up so much that I know of a lot of people who've actually played it and just been like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. But I think I think you hit the nail on the head once you actually understand the game and just realize actually how kind of groundbreaking it was for its time you start to really appreciate it and personally i thought i thought the game was really fun straight from the off when i first played it okay um i i just really enjoyed it but i i was watching this in magazines and stuff at the time so much yeah. so closely i kind of understood exactly what it was going to be so when i played it, it was not a surprise mm. um i guess i guess one of the things that i think was a bit off maybe off-putting is the wrong word but 
do you know when the very, uh, when you first start the game you're you're in your room and just moving around mm-hmm. the very tight spaces in your house felt very awkward but mm-hmm. once you get outside and it opens up and you know um because I, I barely spent time in my house in the end um right but once i got used to that i was like yeah this i'm loving this game the fights were great the action qtes loving everything i just i appreciate i actually walked around talking to people just to find out what they had to say because like how ridiculous it was and yeah one day i did i remember being with a friend and we got we got up early and watched someone leave their house to go to work we actually followed them to work yeah um i can't remember so you can do that. there's uh, yeah yeah you can do that you can just and like if, if you knock on someone's door when they're not in or like they're you know they're like like the kid might be in they'll open the door and go no sorry my mum's at home and like shut the door and leave you oh so yeah like, i do remember that yeah yeah and you can call up the weather channel and find out what the weather's going to be and stuff i thought that was amazing that just yep. blew my mind and put out a sega saturn from underneath your tv and you can play and no it's not really a saturn game we can play like hang on and stuff in your house That's yeah great that this was is like real life play a game what? in a game yeah <laughs> Yeah, in fact, the only de- the only thing I found disappointing with Shenmue was collecting the cassettes, the cassettes, the the music, mm-hmm. because you 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 could collect them or buy them or whatever and listen to them, but you had to do it on like the pause screen, so you couldn't like yeah. listen to them when walking around, which I think would have right. been way better. Yeah, like, that, that, mean, like, that makes sense to me. <laughs> but yeah, oh well, um, yeah. Chris, have you got any... Oh, actually, one thing, just on Sega Bass Fishing. <laughs> I love that game so much. Me and my friend, we just played that so much. We just thought it was so much fun. It's very simple, but yeah. It's, like, it's weird that it's not two-player. <laughs> the first one's only one player, which is strange. But I think that Marine Fishing... Oh, no, that's Ooh. only one player, too. What's that so weird? Oh, okay. Oh, well. But yeah, I, I found it very addictive. It just became really fun. Me and my friend just really enjoyed it. And we used to love playing... The, the fishing mini game in Zelda Ocarina of Time. Like, That's we just sit, we sat yeah. there for like a day basically playing. I was gonna bring that up. A lot of people fish. like will still play Final Fantasy 14, I think, online just because it has, there's fishing in that too. Like, the fishing <laughs> mini games and stuff, for some reason, people are drawn to those. Yeah, so. it's it's kind of just, it's kind of chill, you chill out and it's like, fish, oh God. <laughs> like, you yeah. really got to. And they, yeah, they did it really well. But, if they, yeah, I would, Chris, I would but, say that Big the Cat in Sonic Adventure, if that incorporated the fishing rod, I probably would tolerate his portion of the game way more. I, I actually don't mind Big the Cat sections. I, I'm just saying it. I, I think there's fine. nothing wrong with them. They're fine for me. I thought they were kind of fun. That's okay break to be from wrong. The action. <laughs> I We've already it. established on this podcast that uh, you can have an opinion, and it, it, it is probably wrong. So. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the only thing I was going to say is I can't wait until we get to the time uh, where video games are so advanced that you can find like a Dreamcast and play Shinmu. Then oh. you can play as Ryu playing a Saturn playing Hang On. Imagine oh, that. That's that the future be, of video games. That is the future. Shenmuception. Shen. <laughs> yeah. In Shenmuception. Oh I, yeah, got <laughs> I had it. I don't know. Yeah, that's mine though. Nice. So, Chris, uh, what's um, what's been ticking your taste buds this week, my friend? Well, I was going to, <laughs> I was going to say Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt, um, but then we switched it that we wanted to do Dreamcast. So, Witcher Three was going to be my original pick, but if I had to to narrow it down for Dreamcast games, it's going to be Sword of the Berserk: Guts Rage, Ooh. Oh. and 
I, I, it was not necessarily that I thought I was going to hate the game or when I started playing it, I hated it. I didn't really know anything about the game. I, it was one of those, I think I probably just went to my local game store and saw that it came out and I picked it up and went home and played. It looked like a, a good like hack and slash type of game. Uh, but after I started playing it, I really started liking uh, Guts's character. Um, he's basically this kind of like wandering mercenary that has this huge, giant, overpowered sword, and he's a super badass. Um, but there, I could tell there was so much to like the story because um, it, it it wasn't like an origin story uh, for for guts at all. Um, and what I didn't know at the time was that for many, many years there had been a manga um, from Japan about uh, guts. It was you know sort of the berserk. Uh, and I also learned, you know, after doing research that there was an anime. And so I, I somehow bought the anime or downloaded it. I couldn't remember. This is like, you know, early 2000. You. This is like 2000, 2001 or something like that, man. So, um, but anyway, I, I started watching the anime and I just fell in love with the anime. I was like, this is so, so cool. And I eventually started, um, buying, uh, the, the, the manga and stuff, which I, have like some of them like right here which oh, is like cool. the og manga stuff wow. but then they started coming out with uh these like collected volumes that are like really cool um, and it's Fancy. all like a bunch of the volumes like all in in one like all right hardback. here in hardback yeah and so i actually need to get the third uh, like edition as well but anyway i it opened me up into this whole universe that i didn't even know existed and once i fell in love with that like it made me love the video game even more the game itself isn't all that great i'll be honest um there's a lot of frustrating parts in it where you're using guts of sword and it's really big but they like intentionally put you in situations where you can't use it and so like you're trying to swing on like um, a narrow like staircase and just keeps hitting the wall so uh, then you're having to use like other methods to fight characters and stuff, whether it's just like punching them or uh, you could throw these like uh, daggers that he has. It's really, really cool. Um, I just, I fell in love with it. And I actually thought that uh, it had some really good voice work in the game, um, especially for its time. I mean, this is a time when most games that had voice acting, it was just a joke. You know, everyone made yeah. fun of them and stuff. It still wasn't a time where, um, probably like Shinmu and stuff like that. It was like when we finally got like really high quality, uh, voice acting. I mean, this wasn't at that level, but it was still like much better. Well, you know, much better done than a lot of what had come out around that same time. You so were almost that a was Jill the... sandwich. What's that? that? Oh, you yeah, were yeah, almost yeah, a yeah. Jill sandwich. <laughs> yeah, like that. Barry, off the heels. Where's Barry? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, um, man, I love Sword of the Berserk. Have you guys ever played this? I only played oh, it yeah. because I bought it for someone as a gift, and I tested it out before giving it to them. Um, but I did, yeah tested. I yeah, uh, I don't own it anymore. Um, it's actually it's jumped up in price since I bought it for him. But um, I do remember just the sword. Like all I remember is that first part where you're like near some, some gypsy travelers or something. I forget exactly the very beginning. And, but he does have his big sword. I was going to ask you if that was one of the issues with it was like hit detection, but it sounds like it's reliable hit detection where you can't 
you know. Yeah, it was just, I mean, and there was some other issues, but overall, it was a solid game. Um, mm-hmm. And it was neat, too, because it was, like, super graphic. And, like, you, you could, Guts could, like, slice, uh, like, dudes in half, and there's just, like, huh? blood spraying out. Nice. And so for its time, it was rated M, uh, and you know, for good reason. But uh, it was just one of those cool games that had a ton of blood in it. And at that point in time, I was still all, like, whatever bloody game I could get, I want to play, you know. Um and uh, it was it was just one of those games that just really. Why, if you didn't you know, know anything about my... Berserk, how did you end up grabbing it? Did you just see like this looks violent? I want to play it. I think so. You know, I think <laughs> I, I may have read something in a, in a magazine about how you could slice people in half, and it was like really bloody. And mm-hmm. I was like, it sounds kind of cool. Um, and so I ended up buying it, and uh, it wasn't until like I started playing the game, and then I was like, you know, there's got to be more to this. So I searched online, and that's when I discovered that there was an anime and a manga. And um, I yeah, because it does. I, if I right. if I remember correctly, it very much just kind of starts you. It doesn't introduce guts at all. He's you're just him. Yeah, it's it basically starts like between volumes twenty two and like twenty three. Oh, uh, wow, uh, that's what according to Wikipedia. Anyway, oh, but um, yeah, it starts way way later. It even starts if you watch the the original anime. It's even past that. Um, hmm. from. You know, it's it's so far into the story. So, um, but now, I mean, now we've gotten that original anime. We've got a a, a trilogy of movies that that came out uh, years ago, and then we also got a new CGI oh, uh, Berserk thing. anime that yeah. is. Re- <laughs> There's some really awful animation in that. I think that's like what it, it has uh, its kind of name for now, reputation. Oh, but I do. I will say that I, I like it because it it goes beyond like the golden arc and and everything where it's telling more of the story than we've ever gotten before in an anime film or, or cool. series that's cool yeah that's I, fine. So, uh yeah on sort of berserk i i have played it um annoying i can't find my copy which is really annoying but basically i own a do you have you heard of white label dreamcast games white label i mean that's what you mean the, the games that have that are white labels is that like a, a publisher? No, no. So that is... So there are certain Dreamcast games that were given to retailers and stuff, which are literally white label. They just oh, have the, the game on and stuff. So yeah. that's Tomb Raider, The Last Revelation. Um, that looks like a... So yeah, that looks like you burned that. <laughs> you Apple you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's legitimate, it's official, it's by Sega... Um, Yes. Hey Graham, look into that disc and say Candyman five times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I own the white label version, so I've got I've got like a handful of white label. I've got Evolution, Tomb Raider, I've got Sword of the Berserk as well. And I was I was given Sword of the Berserk and Tomb Raider when I worked briefly at a video game store. I was doing it for we have something called um, I what it's called. Uh, it's like a, basically a job training thing when you're still at school. Uh, work experience that's what we call it sorry yeah it's called uh, work experience so you get work credits in or whatever yeah yeah so you, you go there for like two weeks or something you work in the store helping out and i got with this local video game store and yeah they they basically they didn't pay the me but they, they seemed to like me so get... how did you say this is related to school <laughs> <laughs> oh it doesn't have to be, that's the thing it doesn't have to be related to school it's just a job that's all we had to do just find okay. a company that would some people did like really good stuff. I think some people like works in law firms and stuff like that. And I was like, 
I can go to the local video store. I was like, yeah, I, I want to, I want to work in a video game store. Going <laughs> yeah, I did. I did something like that. I don't remember. I wish I could remember what it's called, but I essentially got out of school like an hour and a half early to go help my youth pastor get PowerPoints together for that upcoming Sunday's uh, 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 youth ministry thing. Oh, wow. I, I was, I was super okay. involved in my church in high school and freshman year of college. A lot has changed, but I forget what it, it was like a, a work early work dismissal or something, but I, I was like, this okay. is my job to get out of school an hour and a half early. Okay. Like basically for our two weeks, we didn't have to go to school at all. We actually went to work. Um, we weren't getting paid for it, obviously, but yeah, they, they gave me some free stuff. They gave me like a, a game gear battery pack. They gave me a few dream cause I knew I love the Dreamcast and Sega stuff. So I was like downstairs, like sorting out like all this stuff in this basement. And they're like, guys, oh, yeah. we they, can get rid of all our game gear shit now. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they also had a, it wasn't quite life-size, but it was nearly life-size statue of Lara Croft to, uh, to promote Tomb Raider 4. And I really, they basically said, do you want it? Because we're just going to throw it out. And I was like, oh my god and that this is a point where i couldn't drive because <laughs> yeah. too young to drive it's like i asked my parents if they could pick me up one day after work rather than catch the bus and like why like do i want to take home this lara croft statue and they're just like no <laughs> like you're not oh, <laughs> oh wow <laughs> this edition. You, Dad. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> i was like well we got no space for it because it was like a proper like yeah it's like five foot tall <laughs> can't keep this in here it's a distraction to graham he can't work without a boner when this thing's around so we gotta get rid of it <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah but i, I have the white label version of sort of the zerk and unfortunately i can't find it but i did randomly manage to pick up the manual for the game. So this, I don't have the proper British thing, you know, power box. I'm really I'm working my way there. So I now have the manual. I've got the white label just somewhere. It might be one of my CD wallets, but I can't find it right now. Slightly panicking. Or it could be at my parents' house. I don't know. Um, Whenever you find that, Graham, if you want to sell it, uh, have your people call by people. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, Dude, no, I looked no, no, up no, Sword I, I, Berserk while we're talking about it, at least U.S. anyway. Uh, complete, it goes for forty-eight bucks. Loose, the disc is thirty dollars. What? Wow. wow, that's quite incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. how about for the white label version? That's not. Um, well, this only searches U.S. <laughs> stuff, so I don't honestly know. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, Chris, I really enjoyed the game. And on the to- the topic of cutscenes and stuff and the actual voice acting, I was blown away by this. There was a couple of cutscenes that I remember like watch I remember just seeing there, like especially the you know, the uh the sort of the bad guy that like, sort of I don't know where he was, like a mayor or something of the town, like really grizzled kind of looking guy with a sort of red and grey hair. I think I that was remember- Griffin. Yeah. I I just remember watching one of the cutscenes, being like just watching it and going oh shit wait this is a video game like for some reason if you watch it you'll be like this is terrible this is obviously video game graphics but at the time it was so well done i was like this is the this is it wasn't cgi it was in-game visuals and i was like this is brilliant um and i love the storyline i thought the story was fantastic i misspoke um, it was baron balzac okay balzac. That rings the bell yeah. yeah um yeah i i i love the i love the storyline i love the levels and stuff with the, your journey that you went on. You're right. The the gameplay was annoying with some of the, the areas where you couldn't swing your sword, considering part of the fun was killing people with your sword, but it still worked. I thought it was really good. Uh, I never finished it though. I got to the very last boss and like the point just before the last boss, you just get to save it and stuff. And I couldn't do it. So I got really frustrated. So I stopped playing the game. 
I went back to it like a couple of years later and my VMU broke. So I could not load the game anymore. So that's like what do you mean? seven or eight hours of my life. Like basically the, the, the file got corrupted or something. Oh, damn. I don't know. I had to wipe the whole... V- none, of my, none of my save files works in the VMU anymore. It wasn't even the VMU. It was like one of the four, four megabit um, cards. It wasn't oh, an official f- card anyway. The four to- Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the four yeah. times thing or whatever. Yeah, well, it just they, uh, yeah, it got corrupted, so I had to wipe that sort of save pack Oof. bit, and yeah, so that's uh, I've never I've never gone back to really play it from start to finish since, but uh, yeah, really good game. So yeah, that's a good that's a good choice there, Chris. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. Did you um, even say yours yet, Graham? No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> I thought you started it. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I, oh, I got distracted because I was trying to look for like uh, I don't know if this happened in U.S. in 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 Europe, but um, midway release games, Mortal Kombat Goal, Hydro Thunder, they eventually had a hot new edition, and I thought maybe that was like the white label edition, Ooh. but the disc is the exact same. I think uh. there is a disc that's blue for Hydro Thunder, but the hot new editions were like the glitchy for or repaired versions. They fixed the glitchy ones. Yeah, it was yeah, basically their their idea of like um like patching, patching. the game. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't think we have white label over here. I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe uh, if we you can't ask that right before you go here. to, because, um, what's that? What? White Claw. I don't know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That's that popular <laughs> seltzer, <laughs> hard seltzer drink that people claim is good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It's like a hard okay. seltzer, it's alcoholic. I thought it was going to be like some sort of sexual thing. Uh, but okay. Yes. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the White Claw Show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> speak, speak to Warp Zone and just ask them if they know of any of the like. No. If, if, oh, the <laughs> disc. I thought you were talking about White Claw still. <laughs> ask if, they have if he can give you a White Claw. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's all gone wrong. It's all gone wrong. Oh, <laughs> Stop talking, please. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go to my pick now. Screw it. Um, so I guess mine is uh, a little bit different to your, your guys. This is one that, again, I, I basically it was more that I was afraid that I wouldn't like it. Like it was a game that I really wanted to play and really wanted to love. But as it was getting closer to launch date, I, uh, I don't know. I got a fear in my head that this game is not going to be that good because um, all the screenshots looked beautiful um i didn't see any gameplay footage so this is a time that you couldn't go on the internet and really watch stuff they had demo discs with magazines and i remember the dreamcast magazine they, they're like demo disc with this game i was like oh my god this is awesome i'm going to finally get to play a little bit of this game when the demo disc came out it did not have the game playable it just had a series of like a slideshow of screenshots and mm. the, the screenshots looked great but they kind of just look like concept art. Like I wasn't, I couldn't even tell if there was actually in-game graphics. I was mm-hmm. just like, this looks too good. Like this, the something about this game just doesn't seem quite right. I think it was slightly delayed as well. And I just got this weird fear in my head. It's going to be like the new Superman 64 or something, you know, delayed and delayed and delayed. It comes out, worst game in the world. Um, and it finally came out. And I remember looking at the back of the I box. I was trying to guess, but I have no idea. Ooh, I can tell you it was released in 2000 had a PS2 uh, remake in 2002, and it was not released in Japan at all. So it's only America and Europe. Uh, I can't really give you much more information because it will just give it away. Like, is it a the, the uh, tactical espionage type deal? Like Metal Gear Solid ripoff? 
No, it is not. Although that's a great know. game. I, have, I got no clue. Okay. Um, actually, just flash up on screen just then because I accidentally moved my hand slightly too oh, high. I didn't see it. It is. Good, good. It is. Echo the oh. Dolphin Defending Future. Oh. Ah. So, uh. yeah, I was just really afraid this game would not be good. Um, and here's the thing. I wasn't a massive fan of the first Echo the Dolphin games on the Genesis or Mega Drive. I thought that I kind of liked them for being a bit different. I never really got into them. Like, I kind of played them a little bit. I did a few of them. I remember doing level skips to get through most of yeah, the game. Notoriously difficult. It's so hard. It's just, like, frustrating. You know, it's... It wasn't like it had sort of action moments in the original games. Of, yeah, it was it just was there something about the games that I kind of oh, well, liked and wanted to like? PS2 release. That's weird. It did. Yeah. And the PS2 release is not as good as the Dreamcast one, according to every review in the world, basically. Huh. Um, she played the PS2 version. But, um, but anyway, yeah, the game came out. I was blown away by the visuals. I mean, I actually played the game more recently because I tested it out on the uh, Striker DC controller, and I was still actually really impressed by the, how good it looks. So, yes, there are is dated in areas, but I was like, this is like Echo himself and a lot of the underwater sea creatures look amazing. Like, they're, they're just almost perfectly um, recreated, these sea, underwater sea creatures. And the thing I love most about it is the whole storyline. It's like... It's just so epic. Like you think, like from the screenshots and stuff, you think you're just basically going to be uh, going around, you know, local sea, like normal aquatic situations in the sea, in the ocean, or whatever, solving puzzles. But the first few levels are like that. I don't, have you guys played this game at all, or have you guys finished the game or got to the, got even up I, halfway uh, through the game? This was another game that I went on a splurge when I worked at GameStop, and they they still don't know what they have. So if you're looking for Dreamcast games underpriced what they go for or what they're worth in the crazy secondhand selling world do GameStop stuff because they have no idea but short version is I have it but never played it okay Chris did you play it or yeah I, I played it uh, quite a bit back in the day but never got super far into it I just remember this game because my daughters loved watching me play it and I would just let them play because they just they like what you're saying they love the underwater aspect of it uh, it was awesome for when it released. I, it was amazing. I'd never seen and played a game that kind of explored, uh, you know, like uh, the ocean like that. Uh, and, and to that degree of like uh, graphics and, and visuals, like, yeah, it was it was awesome for that. Alone. So, you, so I take it you didn't get too far into the game, did you? Or I, I can't remember any. I must not have um, if I, okay. I, I can't remember. This the game just it just switches everything up it gets so crazy like the story the storylines by actually by a really i can't remember the author's name now um ah by david brin uh, he's he's a science fiction author he's he apparently is quite popular especially back in the day um but he wrote the storyline and it's actually narrated by tom baker who is uh one of the original doctor who's if you don't know that huh. um and the, so the story is basically about uh, dolphins and humans have sort of come together in this world and they're actually going off into space. Um, but there is this alien um, entity called the foe who basically want to kill all humans and dolphins. And while while we're exploring space, they leave dolphins as protectors and Echo is one of those protectors and they have this um, shield around the world. But the foe attack us and eff effectively they destroy like the part of the shield. It's up to Dol Echo to try and help save the world basically stop the foe invasion and stuff but shit goes crazy like there's a whole like thing about time travel and stuff like basically echo goes to the future and the foe has taken over the entire world um 
mm-hmm. and um, like enslaved all the dolphins, all the humans are killed and stuff. Um, there's just some really crazy stuff going on. There's like levels where you're going through tubes of water that are floating in the sky and like jumping between bubbles of water. So you're not actually in the ocean anymore. There's other bits where you're in these underground sort of mechanical areas where the, the water's all like green, horrible and sludgy. Um, and you get these other abilities to help you like move machinery and stuff around. And the game is massive. The levels are really big. You actually get to go back and visit some of them again and stuff. Um, there's some beautiful scenery in it. It's just it just blew my mind. I yeah, I love it. Um, and if you unlock if you finish the entire game, you actually get a fun football game to play, like dolphin underwater football, which is impossible to control. I hate it, but it was, <laughs> it was just <laughs> fun to like go. Oh, this is kind of quirky. Um, but yeah, this is one of those games that where the first few levels you think, oh, this is just kind of like Echo the Dolphin, but in three D. It just it just ramps it all up and. It's also one of the scariest Dreamcast games I think I've played. There are some bits in it that really scared the crap out of me. Um, like when you're getting chased by like a massive underwater electric eel thing that's like chasing after you through a tunnel, or, like shooting lightning at you. It's like, oh my God! Or an underwater giant prehistoric crocodile, which genuinely, I, that that was like the scary, like the swing is this cavern and it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, like, holy crap. And it, yeah, anyway. It blew my mind. I was really afraid of playing this game, and when it when I finally got to play it, I I was just yeah, I love it. I um but, I uh, <laughs> I have a legitimate fear of deep water, so I wonder if I'll ever be able to play this game. Uh, but um, <laughs> and for those watching, wondering why I just looked like I was in extreme pain, I smashed my heel off my chair, and I like almost oh, I'd fucking hurt. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll play this game Wednesday for my stream or something. I've been trying to play more Dreamcast oh, yeah. game stuff. Oh like man, if you do, let me know. I I would actually want to watch you. Please I, do. I'll, we, I'll, I mean, I'll you kind of. You kind of mentioned uh, we we never really did say that the, all the Echo games before this were two D. This one is three D full mm-hmm. behind the mm. behind the dolphin view. They say <laughs> <laughs> that's the kids say these days. Uh, yep, <laughs> that's yeah, cool, um, yeah, yeah. If you do play it, that'd, that'd be awesome. Uh, as I say, the first few levels are just kind of very similar to original Echo, but I kind of think mm. it eases you in, and um, there's still some really great stuff in the first few first few levels um yeah Whew. eases you oh, in yeah. the the original games do not do that they just toss you right in there i remember yeah, ed nunziata this... in a tra- in a in a interview or something i think he said he purposely made echo more difficult so that you could not beat it within a weekend's time and you had to keep renting it or something if you hadn't bought it uh, okay. I, I could Get be the old renting money in. yeah i could be <laughs> misquoting but um yeah which which like kind of makes weird. me sad that this one that his big blue game that he wanted to make like this open world ocean game never came to be because yeah. if this game like you said is just as massive as it is then i can't even imagine how you could make something even bigger you know yeah it's 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 crazy like um i mean some of the areas i guess aren't well, there are some really actually big open water areas and stuff in it but the levels themselves are actually pretty decent the first I think the first couple aren't that big, but then later on, I was like, I remember just being in st- almost stuck in levels that are massive, going, whoa, this isn't the biggest level is. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, and as I say, there are parts where you can actually go back and forth between levels as like passageways that you can then, then load up the previous level because uh, you unlock abilities and stuff as you go through. And um, yeah, I'm just sorry, that, I'm, now, I'm now fanboying over this game. <laughs> that's okay. That The part that you mentioned about being in the sky in tubes of water made me think about a part in Panzer Dragoon Saga, so I wonder if that's why you enjoy parts of this game so much. Like, is it equivalent to that oh, at maybe. all? maybe. 
Um, this is more challenging to go through those watery bits in, in the sky. Mm. I will say that you basically have to jump between bits in the sky and, and the water is pushing you along as well in some of the tubes. So you kind of got to mm. angle yourself just right because you're getting pushed and you have to launch into like other mm. bubbles and stuff. And it's, it's just, it's a very challenging game, but I think once you start from the beginning, you sort of do build up your ability and skill and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, when I was trying testing out the striker DC controller, I just loaded up an old game and like went to like one of the last levels. And I was like, I can do this. I played this years ago. Nope. Died instantly straight away. Death, 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 death. I was like, okay, I'm going back to the first level and try that <laughs> out first. Yeah. <laughs> Ease myself cool. back in. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Really cool game. Love it. Sounds cool. Yeah. So that's, uh, well, that ends the, uh, the feature this week and the end of the show. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add at all to, to the, to the audience or the listeners or anything? Uh, I would say start tuning in to um, mine and Graham's new streaming show that we're going to start doing on Friday. Um, we, we, like Graham said, uh, we did Advent Rising. I think we're going to do that again for the next couple. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, um, you know, streams just because I, with this game, like we got through basically the first area. Um, and then the second one feels even more like a halo game and i'm really looking forward to you graham playing it because we finally we got the the basically this version of uh the warthog at the end of this last stream uh and i'm really looking forward to seeing like you this next stage what you uh you know how you like it and everything and then eventually getting some of unlocking the powers and stuff because then the game really opens up I'm excited, and um, I guess we'll we'll just do all sorts of different games, but we'll start mainly doing like a lot of co-op stuff. But I yeah. wanted to start out with Advent Rising just to to get your first reactions of actually playing the game. Yeah, it was really fun, and yeah, I'm I'm up for it. I'm up for playing a bit more, and for sure, yeah. So check it out. Check out the new stream. So I think actually now, because we mentioned on a previous show, we we almost do a stream every day of the week. I think we now do it every weekday of the week, don't we? Is this right, Scotty? You mm-hmm. you're the man with the schedule normally. Corey's been jumping in because he was playing doom for his magazine review so there was a day there was a week where we had almost something every day but it's multiple days throughout the week we do stream so okay yeah i because i feel like chris and i were looking at a time slot and we couldn't fit it in during the week anymore because everyone seemed to be recording mm-hmm. uh, or streaming during the week so i feel like we're, we're getting there almost almost every day of the week yeah, our, really? most of ours is in the evening, but uh, mine and Graham's is uh, starts around noon on Fridays. So, right. which which for the UK is early evening, like five PM roughly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're in the UK or Europe, check it out. I'm most impressed that Graham actually got the time difference and calculation correctly because this is the first <laughs> time I've ever heard him figure out what the time from the east coast is into like uk time never happened before this is a, a first it's a very easy calculation that. that i do seem to screw up every time um <laughs> i don't know how Scotty, don't even act like you've never gotten mad at graham like miscalculating <laughs> hey we're all learning new things during this pandemic so graham finally figured out time zones <laughs> Which I should know. We've been doing stuff together for years now. Anyway, a true over man. a decade. You've probably done stuff yeah. with him for over a decade. I think it's closer to two decades now, isn't it? Because we started doing this around the Dreamcast time. You're not right? helping your side we're of the Dreamcast argument. Well. <laughs> 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 yeah. Basically, I can't tell the time. Uh, right. In multiple time zones, apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, brilliant. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching or listening or whatever you're doing this on. Um, and don't forget to tune in uh, in September the 12th for our Dreamcast 24-hour Dreamless Marathon.
marathon uh, where we do play dreamcast games uh for 24 hours there's a group of us we normally team up and go together and go to scotty's house and do it but we can't do that this year because of the whole world is falling apart type thing so right. we're going to try and do it virtually so this is going to be a fun new thing where i'm going to screw up all the streams because my internet doesn't work or something but we'll give it a try we'll see what happens we and it's giving, all for charity we also give away a dreamcast console every year don't forget to tell people that yes we so do give away prizes a dreamcast console. oh yes yeah exactly so we do uh, as as scotty mentioned before um Warp Zone donates a uh, a Dreamcast that we actually get to give away and a couple of games maybe. I'm I'm not sure what we if we've rested on the games we'll yet. Discuss anything. that probably in the meeting after this yeah. podcast. <laughs> oh, fantastic! And we give away some other little bits and prizes, and we uh, we raise money for charity as well for Extra Life, and it's a great thing. It's really fun. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll probably talk a bit more about it in other shows coming up. But for now, that'll do. So catch you later. See ya. <laughs> that's it. It almost sounded like Sega. Sega. Um, Sega. <laughs> Sega. So, uh, update. Oh, yeah. Um, I scared the shit out of Rachel when I pretended to get killed by the Candyman. <laughs> did you? <laughs> she was apparently right below me in the house when I did that, and she thought I, she thought I saw a bug or something, because that's how I would react <laughs> if I saw a bug. <laughs> so, whoops. Uh, so she didn't hear you talk, talking to Candyman. She just no. heard you fall on the floor. Okay. I thought she was like, oh, it goes in the Candyman thing. Just runs through the room. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think it would have been hilarious if we had to put on like a mask or something. When you did the Candyman thing, she just stuck her head through the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Oh, wow. Um, yeah.